Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit gemrate.com. It's free. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and happy Saturday. Hopefully, you guys are going to have a a good week coming up, and we're going to kick off the week with you with a fine, fine show, a real fun show. This is your Sports Collectibles Podcast, TTM Cast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and anything Drew wants to talk about. That's our more. Anything Drew wants to talk about. It is Season 5, Episode 9. It is March. We're in March, March 4th. My sister's birthday is uh, in two days. We're going to go see her and give her a birthday present. So we love March. March means spring. Unfortunately, it is snowing here in Boston, Massachusetts. My name is Jeff Baker. I am the host of this fine, fine program, and I'm joined by a friend from Dallas, Texas, my co-host, my other half that, that I'm not married to, <laughs> my buddy Drew Pelta from Dallas. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew, of course, is the uh, a huge creator, content creator, and we're going to talk to a little about that a little later, but Drew also has a YouTube channel. It is dfwgrapher.com. He, has a, he posts a new video every week, right, Drew? Yeah, I've been doing that uh, pretty much every Sunday, uh, Monday, usually when I forget about it on Sunday. But uh, yeah, it's uh, try to get one up every single week about any TTMs that come in, any in-person graphing, anything like that. And the best part of watching Drew's video is you have to guess which hat he's going to wear. Yeah. <laughs> I was For a while, I was making sure I had a different hat for every single one. I know you did. Wa- I, every time, I, every time I, I watched it, I was like, okay, which hat to get today? Yeah, and then I kind of ran out of them. So now it's like, okay, well, whatever's sitting around close by. So I've got my CSG one on right now. I've got my uh, college football playoff logo hat over here. A couple of things. My Indians uh, playoffs one is up yeah, here Yeah, you get Indians one. You've worn you. There's all, all, all sorts of cool ones. So make sure you check out Drew's videos on YouTube. They are fabulous. And we'll talk about some other stuff that Drew has has done this week. Um, I had a tough week. My we had to put my dog down on uh, oh, Thursday. Man. He'd been, I know, he'd been with us for 14 years. He was the best dog, the 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 best dog we we've had ever. He was so good, so lovable, so part of the family. And we're going to talk a little about that. We'll talk about that in uh, TTM Cast Stamp Approval. But so it's been a little sad, a little sad, sad around here in the, in the Baker home. Um, not much collecting wise going on. Haven't haven't bought anything heading out to florida on uh friday we're gonna nice. go see um i've got two tickets two games we're going with my wife we're gonna go see the red Sox and twins on i believe saturday and i think on monday we're gonna go see the uh, pirates and twins and we might we're gonna try the red Sox and yankees are playing i think on that sunday and uh, we couldn't get tickets when we were down there uh, last week but we're gonna see if we can pick up a pair of tickets to go see the Red Sox and Yankees um, at Fort Myers. So that's kind of the plan. Um, we'll, may, we'll probably go uh, hang out by the pool because it's 85 degrees every day. We'll go to our favorite f- favorite restaurants and eat too much, maybe drink, a, have a few beers and just uh, uh, 
convalesce, I guess. You know, my wife is very sad, obviously, because we lost the dog, and it's gonna be, mm. it'll be good for her to get away. So we're going for uh, four or five days, and then at the end of the month, we have the Naples All Star event, the basketball event. It's their fourth one. It's gonna be our third one going, and it's a great event. It's the twenty seventh or twenty eighth of March. I don't have a calendar in front of me. It's that Monday, and um, we're gonna we've got Dave Bing, Bob Dandrich. Kevin McHale and Rick Barry, they're going to be there. So I picked up a a Rick Barry Sports Illustrated from 1974 that I'm going to have signed. I picked up a a Kevin McHale Sports Illustrated that I'm going to have him sign. I've got a bunch of cards. Uh, I picked up a Bob Dandridge rookie card. Uh, Somebody that I know is sending me a a Dave Bing rookie card to get signed. So I've heard that guy's a decent person. So that's (laughs) So uh, we're going to, we're going to have, uh, I'm going to have a fun time in that. That's a, that'll be a quick one. That'll, that, that'll be really, I think we're just going to go from uh, Sunday and come back like on Tuesday or Wednesday. So that won't interrupt our, our key TM cast shows. We will not miss any shows uh, while I'm away. We're going to record the shows uh, either here or, or down in Florida. Uh, Drew and I have already got the schedule worked out. Um, the other, the other trip just came so quickly. We didn't have time to prepare, but th- these, th- these were planned. So we're all set. We're looking forward to that. Uh, I just want to remind everyone about our Wednesday show. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners, Drew. We've got, we're getting so many uh, listeners. I gave you the, the listenership number. Our listeners are ship is up. We really appreciate all our, our new listeners. Uh, make sure you listen to our show, our TTM cast show, TTM cast one-on-one, which is uh, an interview centric show it's only about an hour so you don't have to dedicate like three hours like like some of our other podcasts yeah we had ezra levine who was the ceo of collectible.com and ezra talked to us drew he gives he schools us on the d b w uh i l i c the that uh, auction thing that we had no idea what it was nice so that's great good. school and on that we talk about men collective and all sorts of cool stuff that's happening at collectible so make sure you check that out that is posted now and next wednesday next wednesday this wednesday coming up is going to be lou nanny from the uh, minnesota north stars who played uh, all his his college and professional career in minnesota we talk a little hockey with with lou so that that's great and lou also signs for the mail he, I got a, a success from him the other day, and uh, we'll talk to Lou about that uh, on this Wednesday coming up. Drew, how was your week? It's been busy. Picked up a whole bunch of stuff. Um, got the. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I put in an order with St. Louis Sports Collectors when they had a big sale for President's Day. That rolled in this week, so they had like, it was I think half price on all of their grab bags. They had these like mystery packs of autos. So it's like, I think it came down to, I spent a total of $40, including shipping and got three different grab bags. One was a mystery hall of famer, eight by 10. Okay. One of them was nice. five, five mystery eight by tens, just random ones. And one was two mystery 11 by 14. So got those in, didn't know what I was going to get, but pretty happy with it overall. So for the eight, the regular eight by tens, I got Dal Maxville, who of course, you know, used to play for the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, Joe Charbonneau, former Cleveland Indian, 1980. How, how do you say Joe Charbonneau without saying jumping Joe Charbonneau? Jolton Joe Charbonneau. Jolton Joe Charbonneau. Yeah. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got to throw that in there. Super Joe Charbonneau was the other one, but yeah, yeah. I just had a few names there. But yeah, I got him, 1980 Rookie of the Year winner. Uh, Mark Arneson, who was with the St. Louis Football Cardinals as a linebacker. Uh, I think he was playing a couple Pro Bowls, if I remember right. Mike Lavalier, who was a catcher for what? The Cardinals, the, the Pirates, Pirates, the White yeah. Sox. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and he's been doing a lot of stuff with uh, signatures for soldiers. So if, okay. you, 
you'd like to get a Mike Levaya uh, autograph, could check out Signatures for Soldiers because they've got a bunch of stuff that they are uh, selling to earn money for wounded veterans. Nice. That's great. But yeah, I got him in there and uh, Chris Carpenter, the original Chris Carpenter, no H in the name there. There was the Chris Carpenter that pitched back in the 80s and 90s, and there was the really good Chris Carpenter that he's still with the Cardinals now. I don't think I, he might be. I don't remember. But uh, this is the original Chris Carpenter, C-R-I-S. Yep, and they, so both are, pitch, they both pitched for the Cardinals, I believe. Yes, they did. Yep, both did. But uh, let's see. So that was the uh, regular 8x10s. The 11x14s got Lonnie Smith and Gary Unger, who was, was loaded up with about two or three inscriptions on it as well. So that was pretty nice. cool to get that one. And the Hall of Famer one, a guy that you're familiar with up there in Boston, and I was familiar with in Cleveland as well, Jerry Cheevers. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, really happy with that. I mean, $40 that I spent, including shipping on all that. And I mean, that Cheevers alone is probably worth, you know, what, 25, 30 bucks he does for private oh, signing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that covers I think he almost charges right there. $20 now. Yeah. So that covers, you know, a good half of it right there. Lonnie Smith charges at least 10 for cards and probably more than that for an 11 by 14. So just those two photos right there covers the value that I spent on it. So yeah. And Gary Unger used to be free, but he charges, I believe he charges $10 now. Yeah. I think so. So yeah, I pulled those in, uh, picked up a couple of uh, 2023 Tops hanger packs this week as oh, well. Yep. Just see what I get out of those. Uh, nothing really great, but I did mail off a few of those uh, to spring training. So we'll see if those come back at any point. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, yeah, the article I wrote, another one for uh, Sports Collectors Daily. Dun, dun, wait, wait, we need a fanfare or something. We, that, <laughs> yeah. we need not, not, not just, a, oh, yeah, I wrote an article. It's a fantastic yep. article. This is, this oh, thanks. Pulitzer Prize winning. <laughs> I don't know about that far, but yeah, what happened after, you know, after you and I both got Andy Messersmith back by mail, I'm like, well, geez. Who would be the 10 toughest living autographs right now? Because, I mean, if you go to, like, toughest all time in baseball, you know, Clancy Smyers has the top of the list right there. But it's like, okay, what if we only go with the toughest living autographs? So I'm going through and, you know, put out to a couple Facebook groups there to ask, you know, okay, hey, who would you people consider some of the toughest ones to be able to get? The the members of the what Dave Slepka called the uh, No, Not Now, Not Ever Club. <laughs> and so I was able to narrow it down to 10 that are pretty close to being at that level. And uh, yeah, so I put that together for uh, Sports Collectors Daily and uh, got up on their website, what, yesterday or day before. But uh, yeah, it was fun to research that, fun to write it. And uh, yeah, kind of uh, got some insight on names that I never would have thought to put on the list there as well. So uh, yeah, it was a really fun thing to write up. The one guy that you had on your list, Doyle Alexander, he just, I shake my head. At, Why doesn't that guy sign? Yeah, it's weird. And I mean, uh, Troy Rudder got him a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I mentioned that in the article that I'm like, how did you pull this off? I mean, I tried through a different, I tried through a, a one of the address I was able to find on white pages not long after he got him there, got him. And I got my thing sent back and said, sorry, not at this address anymore. It's like, okay, fine. So I, you know, tried another address here recently and figured I'd try exactly what I did with Andy Messersmith. And we'll see if that helps out at all. But I sent that one out about, it was earlier this week or maybe late last week, somewhere around there. But We'll see if that one comes through at all. I'm not, I'm, I think the only thing I'm going to end up getting out of that is a slightly lighter wallet though. So uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> on, on that list, you had a list of 10. Um, is there one guy that you really, you really, really need for one of your sets or, or a guy that you're just like, I really got to get this guy. Well, there's three of them that are in the 72 set that are on that list. There's uh Dal Max or not Dal Max. What am I saying? Uh, Steve Hobley was one of them that I was mentioning that's yep. on there. Was what, did he be? Was he ill or something? Is that why he doesn't sign? Or no, he just does not want to sign for some reason. Nobody really knows why. Um, he's still living and everything. He's uh, 
but I mean, he's another guy that a lot of people need for Seattle Pilots stuff, which we'll be mentioning yeah. stuff about the Seattle Pilots later on. But everybody who collects the Seattle Pilots needs him. He was kind of an oddball as a player. I mean, you know, whereas most major leaguers are out enjoying the nightlife every night they possibly can when they're on the road, he was the one who's like reading Friedrich Nietzsche on the bench and uh, visiting art museums when he's in town and stuff. It's like, and just had kind of a reputation as a little bit of an oddball among his teammates. But yeah, there's no real reason that's ever been given as to why he doesn't sign something. It may have to do with his uh, depiction in Ball Four. But yeah, nobody's nobody's been able to find out for certain. So Steve Hovley is the one that's right near the top of the list on that. Um, who else? Uh, Doyle Alexander, I need in the 72 set as well. And uh, Mike Kekich, who is another guy that I mentioned in there. Is another yeah, one in the 72 remember, yeah, set. He's a former Indian, right? And he played for the, yep. the Yankees. Yep, best known with the Yankees there, of course, for the uh, trade with Fritz Peterson there was a big thing. That's part of why he doesn't sign, I think, is a lot of the fallout that happened after that. He'd just rather, you know, put all that behind him. But he has you, done at least one signing in the last few years. And uh, I was notified that a uh, signature for soldiers has one in the 72 set. And it's like, it's a little outside what I'd like to spend, but at least it's a good cause. So I think I'm probably going to pull the trigger on that one. Hey guys, don't buy it off of, don't steal, don't snipe it away <laughs> from. Yeah. I got. I, I think they I have like five of them in stock, so I should be okay, but I got to do it today before this actually goes up for download. So there we go. I got a quick Mike Ketchis, uh Fritz Peterson, ask story for you it's real quick all right my my college roommate who i lived with for uh two years and a a great guy great friend and i i didn't know this we had um all you know all the family was coming over for at graduation they all were coming over to our apartment we're gonna have a little like post-graduation thing when i was at umass and uh you know, we're all talking just like, oh, we, you know, my telling everyone about their parents. Oh, my dad does this and whatever. So he 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 starts talking. His mother moved next door and the mother next door moved to his house and they swapped wives. Jeez. <laughs> and it was very strange because they were they were all they all four of them were there and that's how i met him and like you're looking at him like oh now i know the story so yeah geez basically the two the mothers just moved they were they were next door neighbors and his his mother moved next door the the other mother moved back and the kids stayed in the same house like all the kids stayed in the same house and the father stayed in the same house isn't that strange wow well i mean abc made an entire uh, entire multi-series show wife swap about with (laughs) that so I guess I can't really be surprised at anything there. So, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Hey, I forgot. I want to mention this before we get into all this stuff. Uh, remember the other day, last it's the last week or two weeks ago, I think we were looking for the San Diego chicken uh, donors yes. card. Yep. For for one of our guests, David Merrick, who is, um, is the executive vice president of marketing at the Somerset Pirate. And David sent me a, ba- uh, uh, a pennant. I, I don't know how to give it away, but I do have a pennant that he, that he sent me. But anyway, Isaiah uh, Salyards from, from Virginia had the card and he just okay. emailed it to me. So I just got it yesterday and I'm going to mail great. it off to David. So I want to just thank Isaiah, who's a, a great listener. Isaiah came to us uh, maybe about, I don't know, eight, eight, nine months ago. He had never heard of us and and uh, came and he listens every week now. So Isaiah, thank you very much. Thanks for for listening thanks for helping out we really appreciate it and uh 
you know, Drew, that's what the hobby's about, right? Just being right. good guys, nice, nice people. You know, Zaya didn't ask for anything. He didn't know I need this for the, you know, I need $10 for the card or, or you got to trade me this or whatever. He's just, oh, I got, I got an extra card, send it your way. And I, you know, I, I know you do that all the time and, and I do it too. If I can help out somebody that's collecting and, you know, it doesn't, if, if it's a card that doesn't really mean anything or it's a double for me, I, I, I don't, re- I don't really mind, uh, mm-hmm you know, passing along. So I think I want to thank Isaiah and I, I want to think that, uh, you know, that's one of the things that makes our hobby great. Don't you think? Absolutely. And like you said, I have, I try to do that whenever I can. We did a few years ago in the uh, baseball TTM autographs, Facebook group right around Christmas. I said, Hey, if there's somebody that you wanted to TTM for a long time and you don't have a card to them or something like that, put their name on this list and I'll see if I can help you out. And it was fun doing that. I got to be a Santa drew for that. And it's just, yeah, I mean, people have helped me out with stuff before. I try to help them out with stuff. And like you said, that's what the hobby should be about, number one. It's uh, if you know where something is, help point another collector in the right direction for it. You know, if you have it yourself, help them out with it, be willing to trade it, something like that. It just, yeah, it helps uh, It helps the hobby grow for sure. And keep yeah, it going, and the, you know? we did the give a card, get a card in Christmas time, yep. and that was yep. fun. We also had, um, you know, we helped out the Lampia family in uh, Fort Myers, and that yep. that was a, a fun time. And we're going to, we have an, uh, another, I, I, we, we won't talk much about it, but we have another charity that we're, we're looking to get involved in and, and take a, an active role in. Um, so anytime we can help, it, it, it's really good. And, the, the, and, you know, the guys that we have, uh, our listeners, are fabulous and helping out and and uh, our read the the guys that read our articles on sports collectors daily they help out so it's really cool well you know what we have a, a really fun show for you this week uh i spoke with tony swan tony swan is a super carlton fist collector he he owns the the url carltonfist.com if that if you want to see see what type of collector he is he has all his whole collection up there so we're going to talk to tony about his uh passion for carlton fist and collecting and Clemente Lise joins me and we talk uh, hockey. We talk seri- top series one. We talk a little soccer. Um, we talk some collecting stuff. Clemente is always a, a great, great interview. Uh, I spoke to him on Thursday. So that, that'll be coming up uh, next week. We have uh, one of Drew's friends, Lee Alexander, who's a, a really great collector. He collects boxing and hockey primarily. We we'll talk to him in Collector's Corner next week. And we have a great, a really fun article interview with Les Wolf. Um, talking about dealing with auction houses and, and what to do with your your cards and how to inventory them, um, you know, before before you pass away, so you don't have to put that burden on your relatives. So that was next week. This week, Tony Swan and Clemente Lise. Drew, we also have all our regular segments, right? We do indeed. We'll start off with Baker's Dozen, covering all the news from the previous week. Mention Collector's Corner, Tony Swan. That'll come right after that. Clemente's World, right after that. On down the list, we get Making the Grade, covering all things in the world of card grading. We've got our stamp approval, where Jeff and I give our thumbs up from something, just about anything from the previous week. The Vern Rap Minute, where we cover all the deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics, anything that you might consider TTMing. And of course, the main reason why you're here, why we're here, our TTM returns. Right, guys, we love to hear from you. We love getting emails. We love uh, the feedback. We also are always looking for collectors to feature in Collector's Corner. So if you want to be featured in Collector's Corner or if you know a collector, uh, and they don't have to be a super collector. It can just be somebody like Drew and I who just sends out a lot of TTMs or something that you're into. If you're into sets or into something different, you like to collect, uh, you know, RC Cola uh cans or you know i mean it's slurpees cups i don't care well anything you want you're into let us know just send us an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com 
and we'll gladly get you on the show. And we also, that's, uh, that's, we're not doing a contest, but that's also our contest email. And we also uh, love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions for Les or Clemente or Drew or anybody, if you have an idea for uh, maybe an article that you'd like to see us write for Sports Collectors Daily, we're, we love to hear from you. So send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Thank you, Drew. I, we, uh, you know, we kind of went on a tangent today. We had a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff we're talking about in yep. our introductions, but we're going to get right into Baker's Dozen next. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. Been a very busy week. Tops had their um, user conference. What would you call it? And it's not, yeah, it was a like a dealer, dealer kind of a thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. In Phoenix, in Phoenix this past week, so there's a lot of news coming out of Phoenix. We have spring training going on. There was a National Hockey League trading deadline, right, Drew? Where there's all sorts yep. of stuff. Where uh, basketballs getting ready for the playoffs. So we have the NCAA tournament going on uh in a couple uh, next week i believe i think they picked the the they picked the teams right they picked the brackets this this weekend i believe i think so uh, yeah it's usually uh you you've got the uh conference uh we call them the conference tournaments going on right now yeah. finishing up yep. are you a busy guy are you a grid guy do you fill out your grid i do i uh vary from year to year as to how well i do on them i know a couple of years ago i ended up nailing 15 out of 16 for the sweet 16 wow. and at one point in like I was like like ranked top 20 nationwide and then it all fell apart after <laughs> that i still finished in like the top like couple hundred or something in like i think it was like cbs's thing nationwide but i've never had that kind of success since or yeah i usually before. do mine on uh on espn i'll do i'll, I'll do a yep. grid on espn i've won uh you know in groups of friends i've won a couple of them um uh, but i don't lately i haven't been watching a lot of college hoops so yeah. You know, if you pick you pick chalk and there's any upsets, I get that's when I usually get screwed. So we should we'll do like a bracket can... group for for listeners or something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do that next year because it's it's yeah. too a little, a little too late to put the whole thing together. This yeah, year. definitely is. But yeah, we'll consider that for next year or something. Well, Drew, there's a new site that I'd like to have everyone aware of. They had a soft launch the other day. They're going to have a a hard launch April 1st, I believe. It's called Hobby News. HobbyDailyNews.com, HobbyDailyNews.com. Our friend John Newman from uh, from what, what was he? His what's his what's the name of his podcast? Um, Sports Card Nation, right? Sports there you Card, go. Yep, Sports, Sports Card, Card Nation. Nation. Yep. He he he's involved with it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, other content people involved in it. We're gonna have a link you know, on the site to our to to our both our both our podcasts, um, and we wish them well. It's called HobbyNews.com. Uh, check it out. It's kind of in flux right now, um, and they're gonna have a, a a a launch, a hard launch on April 1st, I believe. There's all sorts of content they have. I think they have eight or ten writers that are going to be writing articles for for the for the site um you know on a weekly basis they're going to have uh, a daily podcast a five or ten minute daily podcast every day 
And um, it's just a, another place where, where people can congregate and get information uh, about the hobby. You know, we're not telling you, we're not going to say it's going to supplement our friends at Sports Collectors Daily because they've been, uh, Rich and his team has been doing it forever. And it, that that's a hard um, nut to crack, right? They, they do yeah. it so well. But it's another another place where you can get information. So check it out, hobbynewsdaily.com. And we uh, wish John and his team the best of luck in that endeavor. Well, Drew, we were talking about the Topps um, deal conference or, or that we happened in Phoenix this, this uh, past week, and mm -hmm. they had some announcements from, from uh, the conference. Yeah, I know it's been uh, mentioned uh, very heavily lately. A lot of people getting concerned that they haven't heard of a uh, release date on Topps Heritage for this year. And fortunately, that, that, that set was not on this list, but there was a list from Topps of sets they are going to be pruning out of their... Uh, their tree of products here and soon to be gone are clearly authentic Bowman Chrome X gold label opening day, first edition fire gallery and Bowman heritage, but no tops heritage on there. Fortunately, it should still be coming out. We just don't have an exact release date on it, but yeah, um, just kind of interesting to see which ones are cutting back there and everything. And overall, I mean, not any huge losses as far as I'm concerned. I'm, a little disappointed to see opening day gone and a, a little surprised that gallery is gone. But aside from that, yeah, nothing that really, nothing that really sends me, you know, grabbing the torches and pitchforks and protest or anything like that. Yeah. You think that they would have kept opening day because honestly what it was, it was a repeat of the, the, the uh, series one, series two, the same photos just had an open day logo on it. They had some uh, cards in there for the kids with the mascots. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. They could we probably could have kept it, and they, they. I bet they looked at the bottom line and said, "Oh, this this thing's not making us any money." Yeah, right. It's definitely it's a low but it's a low cost product, but also a low but low uh, revenue product. I would think so. Yeah, it's it definitely has some redundancy to it, especially when like the regular top set is affordable enough for most that are even most beginning collectors. So I guess yeah, just a little bit of redundancy there, and yeah, like I said, the bottom line just I'm sure it's not a big uh, money maker at all for them either. So. Not too surprised to see it gone. More more disappointed than surprised, but yeah. Yeah, I think you and I were talking the other day. Um, you know, we love heritage and we also love archives. And I could see archives going by the wayside as well because there's a lot of redundance there. But, um, you know, I think their tops and fanatics, right? Tops and fanatics are the same thing now. If we can use it interchangeably. And fanatics, uh, the president of fanatics had said in an interview, I think last week or, or 10 days ago, that Fanatics wants to increase their sales tenfold. Wow. So they want to see tops grow tenfold, really. Um, and that's a big nut to crack. That's a lot of people. And they're going to have to pull in a lot of non-collectors or, or, or people that aren't regularly purchasing cards, right, to increase yeah. that. And one way to do that is is to get the kids involved right because you know mm -hmm. if you hook a kid when he's seven eight nine years old well you know what you and i were hooked when we we're seven eight nine years old and we're yep. uh, i'm 57 what are you you're 48 47 what are you 38 38 you look yeah. 48 yeah gee, thanks <laughs> <laughs> but you're still collecting so you know what i mean it's it, i think you have to hook the kids and, and i think fanatics knows that and I think they're going to do a lot of stuff. They said that they were going to get involved with Little League, which is a, a plus. And I think anything they can do to get kids involved and more kids involved and um, 
I think that's the, the, the great, a great way to go. They've also talked about um, supporting breakers because they think breakers is the entry point for a lot of collectors. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big breaker guy. I'm not sure if, if you're a breaker guy. I like the concept of it, but I think it's, um, I don't know, the dark, the dark part of our hobby in terms of a lot of things we don't know about. Right. Right. right? in things we don't want we don't want this we don't want to look behind the, the curtain sometimes you know right. <laughs> and i don't there's a lot of there's a lot of irregularities and a lot of breakers and i'm not saying all breakers are bad but there's a lot of breakers out there that um aren't above 100 above board so um i don't know buy everywhere right true yeah, that's, I mean, it's unfortunately the way it is a lot of things in the hobby there, but I just want to touch on something going back to what you said about them partnering with Little League. I think that is a great thing for uh, fanatics and tops to be able to do because I played uh, I, back when I was, when I first started collecting, I started collecting in 1991 and it was in 1992, I played a year of T-ball before moving on to Little League. And I couldn't tell you anything about that season, except, I mean, we went like four and 12 or something like that. But uh, what I do remember was at our team picnic at the end of the year our coach gave us all kind of a goodie bag or something. And there was a pack of 1992 score baseball cards in there. And that was one of the biggest things I remember was getting that pack in there and being there with my teammates, going through all the cards, trading around all that kind of stuff there. If you can get the kids hooked in something like that, that is a great way to start. Yeah. I coached my son when he was, uh, I don't know, 10, 11, no, nine, 10, 11 years old uh, in little league. And what we used, what I used to do is I used to give a pa- a pouch of big league chew Mm-hmm. as to to one guy that was like the the, the big prize at, at the at the end of the game and yes. the kids didn't care if they won or lost all they wanted to know was who's getting the big league too <laughs> yep, and i yep. probably should have given them cards too but you know the kids are there for fun they don't honestly nine times out of ten they don't really care if they win a loss lose and two two minutes after the game uh they'd rather go to mcdonald's or or or, or, or go find go go do some go ride on their bikes to do something they didn't right. they the, the parents are the ones that could cared if they went or lost the kids nine times out of ten did not really care you know they wanted to be competitive don't get me wrong but you know it, it, if you, we had the two the couple teams i had were actually pretty good we you know we made the playoffs every year these, these are little kids but um you know as long as the game was competitive and they weren't getting beat 25 to nothing yeah. <laughs> they didn't really care so hey uh, another uh news item that came out of this conference tops conference is that my the goat tom brady is going to have a card in the bowman draft baseball this year which is kind of cool so uh, tom brady will have a card in the bowman draft baseball there will be autographs so guess what guess what what the price of collecting bowman draft baseball just went up right oh yeah it's going to shoot everything up because I mean, Brady doesn't sign a whole lot in football. And so, I mean, these are his first baseball autographs ever. That's, you know, all the super collectors of Brady are going to be just forking over all the money to get those. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And we have some uh, news from eBay. Yeah. Uh, hey, get your resumes ready, everybody, because uh, Bob Means, the uh, GM of trading cards for eBay, has left the company. They're looking to fill his position. So, uh, hey, if you know cards well, if you know business well, if you know especially e-commerce, Get in on that. I mean, they're looking for somebody to replace him. Nice uh, payday in in for that one as well. The uh, pay is going to be, it said, somewhere between one hundred sixty four to two hundred fifty one thousand dollars there. So that's a real nice uh, chunk of change right there. If you know the uh, know the card industry, the hobby, the markets, all that real well, check it out. You could be the next uh, GM of trading cards for eBay. Right. If you want to le- give your your life over to eBay, 
get yeah. that resume in there, right, Drew? That's that's what's going to keep me out of that. Is I don't want to be on call twenty five eight. You know, yeah, so, that's uh, yeah, that's a tough job. It's a great yeah. job. It's a great job, and I'm sure it's a fun job. But eBay it doesn't shut, right? So yep. there's this that's there's a problem every second of the day. I'm sure with that and the good luck good luck to the person that gets the job and hopefully we'll get them on the show we had bob means on the show uh, maybe about six months ago six eight months ago yeah uh, something like that great guy and uh you know we'll talk well whoever gets the job hopefully we'll have them on the show well uh, a sad note to uh share we, we talked about this on the wednesday show um mike floyd who passed uh, passed away he'd been on our show he was the author of bush league blues he played in the uh, Astros, Angels, and Dodgers minor league system in the 70s. He wrote a great book. It's called the Bush League Blues. Check it out. He was on our in our June show this past year. Uh, really fun, uh, vivacious guy talking. And he, all you do is mention a name, anyone that played in the, the 60s and 70s, and he touched him one way or another in the minor leagues and had was probably a teammate of him. And I remember when I first met him, we were talk, we were just talking and uh you know, I was like, Doug Griffin. He's like, oh, yeah, I played with him in Hawaii in 1967. And then I, oh, Fred Lynn. Oh, yeah, I played against him at Elmira in 72. And like, you just, any any name, he, the guy the guy had played against him and knew him. So Mike Floyd was a, a really fun guy uh, where, you know, he lived in North Carolina. His health had been failing uh, recently, and he passed away in his sleep the other day. They just had his funeral. So uh, just a RIP uh, to Mike Floyd. Uh, you know, if you haven't read, read his book, I suggest picking it up on Amazon. It's Bush League Blues. It is a, a really entertaining book. Just looking through his stats real quick there. He uh, played in the PCL for a couple of years where he may have played against my dad's former neighbor, George Brunette, during that time. I bet he did. He was Mike Floyd was a very good hitter. Um, in his day and he just never quite got the break yeah 275 career hitter in the minors that's pretty decent there yeah he had you know just talking with him offline um he was going to be called up when he was with i believe the dodgers Mm -hmm. and uh his manager and i forget who the man it might have been tommy lasota actually said you're going up uh in two days uh be ready and then uh he hurt himself he he pulled a hammy or something and he couldn't get, didn't get called up. And, you know, it's these guys, you got to remember that major league baseball there, that's the top 1% or half percent in the world, right? These guys are yeah. a great players. So even a guy that is quote unquote, a bum and they're not, and I'm saying that with, with joy because they're not bums. These guys are great players. They they're very, very talented and you gotta, you have to have luck on your side as well. You, you know, yeah. you have to have, um, the right player or the right um, manager or the right GM or somebody has to notice you. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, that doesn't happen. And you even, you look at a guy like Wade Boggs, I don't think he made the majors leagues until he was like 27 or 28 years old. Uh, Cause he just never, he didn't get that guy until um, you know, a little later in his career. And it just, it just ha- happens. You need, somebody to, to to notice you so um mike floyd check out his book bush league blues it's a really really great read got some uh info from collects they've uh, let us know about their number of sets they have scanned on their app now and man this is really growing quickly because if you're a long-time listener to the show you'll remember it was what maybe a year or so ago we were talking about this app that had just come out called collects and how we were raving yeah. about it and remember they only has... had ba- they only had baseball when we they yeah. started and and uh 
Pokemon, I think. And then all, all of a sudden, when they when they got their hockey cards, you 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 were we were doing we were doing a dance. We were all excited. Yeah, I mean, we got on there when it was. I think uh, I think I finally I downloaded it when it was up to baseball, basketball, and football. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, why don't you have hockey yet? This is ridiculous. We need hockey. We need soccer. And well, they added in hockey and soccer and wrestling and multi sport sets. Well, we've got some info on there. They have in baseball 1,645 sets that have been scanned in. Basketball, 481. Football, get ready for this one, 4,205. Hockey, 1,154. Soccer, 1,240. Wrestling, 5,440. And multi-sport sets, 302. So a lot of stuff that is all in there. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that wrestling has exploded that much because – no, I, it's, know. I mean, it's something I've never really been into at all. So to see the popularity, it was just like kind of sitting, making me sit here wide eyed going, geez, wow, that's kind of crazy. But just to Collects give you an idea massively. how on top of things these guys are at Collects and Collects.app is the uh, is the app. It's free. It's a great app. Make sure you check it out. But just want to show you how on top of the things. I think the um, Series 1 came out on the 15th, I believe, right? It was the yeah. 15th that came out, which is a, was a Wednesday? Was it a Wednesday? I think something like that. Yeah, sounds. It was right. a Wednesday, but anyway, I think by Friday they had the whole, they had the series one, the, the base set all in their system already. Wow, which is unbelievable. These guys are doing a great job. Uh, we highly recommend it. Check out collects.app. Uh, it's a free app you can download. Um, and what you do is you just scan. It's Drew and I use it, and when we go to the card shows, you scan a card. And it pulls up the the pricing, the like the last what twenty sales or something, right? Yeah, something it, like it's, that. It's a great idea. Great. Um, Thing to use when you're at card shows and it's also good if you want to just inventory some of your your collection and see what it's worth um the only thing it's missing is the autograph portion of it you can't they don't they don't take and consider that the card's autograph right. but, but that's unless okay. it's like unless the one that's already been put into a pack already signed or something right if it's a ttm or an ip yeah forget it but it's still cool so make sure you check out that uh a lot of news from heritage our friends at heritage auctions it's ha Dot com right they had a, they auctioned off a 1968 tops PSA 10 Mickey Mantle went for five hundred and ten thousand dollars the last one sold in uh, 2021 for two thousand two hundred fourteen thousand five hundred seventy nine dollars so that's a pretty good price price like double basically double right Drew yeah a little over doubled on there and in, in, in a of year it, and a half yeah and not too bad of, yeah that's I mean. Anytime you can make an investment double like that in what under two years, that's that's a real nice return right there. Yep. And speaking of uh, investments that have increased, they had a 1953 Tops Willie Mays grade an SGC nine record price on this one three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Compare this back seven years ago was the last time this one sold, and uh, summer of 2016 for that one, and it went for seventy four thousand four hundred. So. You're doing the math on that. That is nearly a five-fold Five increase times, yeah. over seven years. That is, I mean, that just shows how much it, the markets for any kind of cards really have boomed over the last, uh, I mean, even just the last about maybe two to three years or so. Just, I mean, seeing that kind of an increase in seven years has been absolutely phenomenal. Another, another uh, result from Heritage, this uh, this market's cooling, I think, a little, Drew. We're talking, of course, about the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle. It was a PSA 8, just sold for $1.1 million. It's a little less than they, they thought it was going to go. They were thinking in the $2 million range. It is one of 35 copies. I think um, maybe like sensory overload with the, the top, the 90, 1952 Topps Mantle, because it's been out there so much, don't you think? I think so. And especially, I mean, when we saw that uh, 
the big ones sell over the summer there that went for, you know, up in the tens of millions. Yeah, 12.6 million. Yeah. So, I mean, anything that's a lower grade, I think people are kind of over it a little bit after something like that happened. I mean, a PSA 8 is still an amazing card and $1 million is still a nice payday, but it's not the records that we've seen here lately. And we had another, another result, another nice result as well in the Heritage yeah. Auction. Yeah, we got the uh, the Babe Ruth 1916 Sporting News card. Great, an SGC7. They're hoping to get $2 million on it. Went for 1.77, so a little bit lower, but still, I mean, it's a nice price right there on the uh, what's considered to be Babe Ruth's rookie card, essentially. You know what, Drew, you're just talking this out. I wonder how many um, big-time collectors are out there that, that are in bidding on these things. You know what I mean? Is yeah. this, is this, is there 500 people out there that are bidding on, on these, you know, the mantles and mazes and Babe Ruth's is it, you know, is it 25 people? How many, what do you think that market is? I think it's gotta be under a hundred because I don't think there are going to be that many out there that number one are willing to put out over a million dollars for something like this. that are willing to, that have the ability and that don't already have the card to begin with. Like, I mean, like it says there, there's 35 copies of that 1952 PSA 8 mantle. A lot of the people that could bid on that, I think, may already have one of those. Right, already have it, sure. And then, so you're down to maybe if there's under if there's a hundred or so out there, how many of them are serious about it? How many of them are just in it for investment purposes as opposed to collecting purposes? Yeah, I just I don't think it could be that many out there. I mean, it's definitely well well under a thousand. I would say probably around a hundred or so. And no, if there's a hundred people out there, there has to be a hundred understanding wives as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Hey, this is a, another record on a, a, a game worn shirt. The Joe Montana jersey auctioned off in Golden Auk, Golden Auction. It was worn in two Super Bowls. He wore it in two Super Bowls. Uh, it went for two million dollars. That's a record for for uniform tops, or I think football uniforms. Um, so that's kind of cool. And you know, we we love to report the the sales because it's kind of cool. It's it's great to talk about all these numbers. But Les and I were, were talking about this and. Sometimes it can hurt us, the hobby, because people think that their, uh, you know, George Brett 1985 Topps card is, is worth $1.3 million because, because they earn all these numbers. But um, I guess it's good for the hobby. Would you agree? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, the biggest thing that surprised me about that Joe Montana jersey there is the fact that it was worn in two Super Bowls. I mean, these days, guys wear two jerseys in a single regular season game sometimes. Right, it's a different time, you know that. Yeah, it just shows time. how much the game has changed there. How I mean, they went from so much penny-pinching back even as recent as the 1980s up to now, you know, where it's become this multi-billion dollar industry. It's kind of cool. Hey, we have some new releases to let you guys know about. Yes, one of my favorite products, Tops Allen & Ginter is out. That's 18 packs per box, four cards per pack. 300 card base set. And I mean, this is a product that always has the uh, random fun stuff in there. Like I know last year they had one that had this like cards of like barbecue sauce ingredients. And I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> kind of weird, but I got a card of hot sauce, which I was like, Oh hell yeah. Awesome. I'll take that anytime. Hot sauce card and a coffee card in there. So it's always a fun product. You've got cards of, you know, players that are people that are not involved in sports or they're involved in other sports besides baseball, even though it's a baseball centric set, fun stuff to get there. 300 card base set, 120 to $130 for a box of that. And then uh, this is when uh, Clemente and Lisi and I talk about. It's the 2022-23. Yes, 2022-23, so it's current. OPG Hockey uh, is uh, now out there. Hobby boxes, you get 18 packs, 10 cards per pack. Uh, also, you get one chase card per box. 
Um, not necessarily an autograph, but it's, you know, like a rated rookie, whatever, whatever their rookie cards are called or whatever, and very affordable $60. And I think um, the, the, uh, the other, bo- the other boxes, you know, the jumbo boxes or whatever, I think they're only like $90. So, to nice. the, the next level up so um clemente and i talk about it uh we i like the opichi brand uh unfortunately i didn't collect much of it as a kid did you not a whole lot i mean because you know so much of opichi was paralleled exactly with tops up until i think kind of the early 90s or so then they phased it out and they brought back kind of an insert for tops so uh yeah i did i did, I did enjoy getting into it though in the early 2000s when the upper deck bought the rights to opichi and put all those out they did some really nice sets in that time yeah, I like the older ones because he, in the older sets you get, you know, the 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 fifth defenseman and the backup yep. goalie sometimes, and you get a little deeper in, into hockey and hockey in, in the olden days, in the olden days in the sixties, they were like hundred thirty two card sets. They were small sets, yes. so um, the Opichis were usually like what two hundred and fifty cards or so, right? Right. Yeah, you'd have uh, if I remember right. I mean, a few of them were directly parallel, but if you go, yeah, in like the early. Uh earlier part of like the 1980s i think it was like yeah like 132 maybe maybe 264 at the very most but also of course you know being a canadian release back then les dernières de la carte sont en français <laughs> so uh, you get yeah. both the french and the english <laughs> on the back of it there so that was always fun to me and especially when you got like the opichi baseball cards it just as a kid in northern ohio it just and this is in the you know the days before the internet where you could easily make uh, trades and purchases across borders and all over the world so it just felt there's just felt like something that was so exotic about getting like an Opeachy baseball card in the early nineties. Like there was somebody out there who like, you know, bought them in Canada and smuggled them out through Lemington and like had to, you know, go slapping a customs agent across the face with a trout as he ran to the water and swam across Lake Erie gets into Sandusky and, you know, hands it off to you. And like, you didn't receive this. Here's the story to tell you if they got, if, if they come looking for it. And, it just felt so exotic like that, or that, or I just have way too vivid of an imagination. It could be one or the other there. I, I think it's the latter, but yeah, that's, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was talking, to, I was talking to Clemente and we'll talk, we'll mention this in the show news. I believe, I don't know if I put it on, but the um, sports expo in Toronto uh, is coming up and you and I have to make a trip up there because, yes. you know, Clemente went last year. He said, it's like 90% hockey and nice. you know, the, the autograph guys are cool. And speaking of Opeachy, you can pick up, you know, Opeachy Commons from the the 60s and 70s for a a fair price because they're, you know, they were plentiful up there. So I I think Mm -hmm. you and I, if not next year, maybe the year after, we have to, we have to get a a trip up to Toronto and and, uh, check that out, don't you think? Definitely. I mean, my passport is up to date, I think, so I can do that and everything. So yeah, we we definitely need to look into that. Well, uh, Tops has an online uh, release that they just let up, they just released. Nice. They do. Yeah. Tops Archives Snapshot. You know, we mentioned that uh, Archives will be back again and Archives Snapshot is uh, kind of an interesting product here. It's an online only, as you said, you get 11 cards with one autograph, $45 price tag on that. And I know you were saying the autographs in there look pretty decent so far. Yeah, they're not bad. There's some rookie autographs in there and some veteran autographs. Uh, you know, the cards look great. They're, 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 they're okay. Uh, you know, Tops Archive is that one, that, that line where you you know you buy one card and the lottery ticket and an encased capsule you know encased card uh these are not encased they come in one of those little plastic 
pins, I guess, you know, I've seen a couple breaks, not bad. So check that out. And it's very affordable. We have some show news to let you guys know about this. Is, uh, this is one was added. Uh, we're talking about the Philly show. Philly go to phillyshow.com. It's March 10th through the 12th. So it's next weekend. Uh, Mike Schmidt will be there who, who almost never signed. So that's kind of cool. Johnny bench, Kiffy, Ken Griffey Sr., another one that that's, uh, doesn't sign that much. And they just added Mac McClung, who was the uh, NBA slam dunk champion. He won the nice. slam dunk. He's from the 76ers. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I cannot, I won't be attending this one, but it's a, it's a great show. Check it out. Philly show, uh, March 10th and uh, through the 12th. Nice. Uh, March 9th through 12th, down here in my area, we've got the Dallas Card Show, going to be up in Allen, Texas. I'm probably going to go and check that out on Sunday there. Uh, my friend Aaron Littleton, who's been on the show before and who did the uh, road trip with me this summer, he said he's going to be down there for a day and asked me if I want to go check the show out with him. I'm like, uh, yeah, we'll go and take a look there. But So I'll be out there and we'll have a couple autograph guests there with Bob Lilly, Football Hall of Famer from Dallas Cowboys will be there. Spud Webb, the 1987 slam dunk champion who's about my height, he will be there as well. Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk, is going to be there. And, of course, the great Pat Mahomes Sr., (laughs) <laughs> or pitcher for several teams. He was the Twins, the Cubs, the Rangers, a couple other teams in there. And of course, father of a guy who's turned into a decent football player. All right. I'm going to give you some homework. All right. This is homework right. for you. You go into the show, see if you can get a guest, just one guest, collector, somebody that's signing, a dealer. We we like to like to talk to somebody from the Dallas Card Show. That'd okay. Be see what I can find. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of shows in our backyard the northeast sports card expo is coming coming up between march 18th and 19th is put on by george pep who uh from george pep cards in quincy and they've got all sorts of guys signing including jeff Reardon, scott zolak jermaine wiggins bobby carpenter a hockey player from the bruins uh tito santana wrestler and a bunch of other guys as well it's a ten dollar entrance fee it's a two-day show first time they've done a two-day show 18th and 19th it's at the marriott boston quincy um it's right off the highway it's pretty easy to get to uh, if you're in the New England area, make sure you check that out. And he also, uh, they announced they're going to be having a main show up in Portland, Maine, and we'll put that on our schedule. And then they're going to they're going to do another show in uh, November. So I think I'll be uh, maybe we'll be doing some broadcasting from that one in November. Uh, this one kind of came out. The, this one's like in between travels. So it's a little tough to, for me to get this to this one, but check it out. Northeast Sports Card Expo, March 18th and 19th. Tons of autograph guests and. They're usually pretty affordable, so make sure you check that out. We've got the Chantilly Show coming up once again down there in the D.C. area, March 31st through April 2nd, so a little less than a month away from that. Nice lineup of guests coming out to that. There's uh, Devontae Adams on the list for it, Jamar Chase, Marshall Falk, John Hanna, Football Hall of Famer. They're off to see if they're taking any mail-ins on him and how much those are going to be. You can always find info on that at csashows.com. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of shows that aren't listed, and we're not we're not not talking about them for any reason. There's a big sh- uh, Chicago spectacular coming on, on next weekend, and they got uh, Robert Parrish and Bobby Orr and all sorts of guys signing. Um, so if you, if there is a show that that you'd like us to promote, just you can send us an email too. GTMcast at yahoo.com. And we'll gladly add it to the schedule. We, we try to go um, like a month, whatever's happening in that month. We don't we don't go too much further than that um and i spoke with, with ezra levine uh, the other day about the mint collective the mint collective is in las vegas the mint collective.com it is march 30th through april 2nd it is in at the mgm uh, it's going to check it it's a really good show it's their second year it's in more of a 
conference than a than a card show, right, Drew? Because there's all sorts of stuff going on, educational stuff. Um, my wife already confirmed with me that we we will be attending it next year. So we were gonna we're gonna attend the Mint Collective next year. We could not get to it this year, uh, but it is a great show and a great great time. Um, check it out, themintcollective.com. Tickets are still available. They have sold out all their vendor spots. Well, Drew, that wraps up Baker's Dozen. We had a lot. Of, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. We've been, we've been, we. You know what? We have all these tangents going on. You know, <laughs> it's like, like oh, let's talk. I gotta ask her about that. I gotta ask her about this. Well, that yeah, wraps yeah. up Baker's Dozen. Next up is Clemente's World. If it's soccer, hockey, or collectibles, it's in Clemente's World. It's time for Clemente's World with Clemente Lisi. Collecting trading cards can be expensive, but grading doesn't have to be. You can now grade your cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Get your sports cards in the industry's best and clearest holders. CSG also offers amazing customer service, fast turnaround times, and accurate, consistent grading. Plus, get access to the CSG registry and compete against other collectors for the best collections. Go to CSGcards.com to start protecting your personal collection today. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at CSGcards.com. Well, we talk to Clemente Lise every month about what's going on in the collectible world. Clemente is a huge, huge hockey fan. So we talk hockey and hockey collectibles. He, we also talk series one with him. We talk about um, soccer, some soccer stuff that's going on. He has a great soccer newsletter. Do you get his uh, soccer newsletter? I do. Yes, I have been uh, subscribed to that ever since the first time it got mentioned on here. Yeah, it's great, huh? The the content yeah. is really cool. You don't have to be a soccer head uh, to to really you know to dive into it. He the the co- topics are really cool. It's a free newsletter. He usually sends it out. I think on Monday, right? It usually comes out on Monday. Yeah, next Mondays. Yep. So check that out. It's called uh, Planet Soccer. Um, but here's uh, please enjoy my interview with uh, Clemente Lise in Clemente's world. All right, guys, it's that time of the, of the month, I guess, right? <laughs> We're talking about, of course, it's Clemente's world with Clemente Lise. We're going to talk a little hockey. We're going to talk a little soccer. We're going to talk a little baseball cards. Welcome, Clemente. Hey, happy March, and welcome back from Florida. I know. I'm actually going back in, in uh, next week, so I'm going back. I got a couple of games. I'm going to see the Twins and Red Sox and the Twins and Pirates. That sounds like a lot have of fun. Been, have, you, have you been to spring training? No, never been. It's, it's one of my bucket list items for sure to, to go to spring training. And I have some family in, in the Tampa area, actually, so I could totally go down there. And maybe yeah. I will. The West Coast is awesome. There's a lot of teams there and it, it's a fun time. Well, hey, we had a national holiday uh, last week and I'm not talking about President's Day. I'm talking, of course, about the release of Top Series 1. The flagship 2023 came out. Uh, did you get your hobby box? I got my hobby box, of course, because that's what you do. And I got it and, you know, I opened it and, you know, I was I was a little down on it going into it. And then when I opened it, I was really happy with the design. I thought that it was the cards looked really sharp. It was clean. And I will say what I like most about this set is the some of the inserts. Um, I agree. I love. Did you get any aces? My aces. You three. I got one. No, well, I will admit, so I bought one box and then I bought on Amazon using my Amex points. I used, I bought um, 
three hangers, three hanger boxes. Nice. Between the three hangers and the box, I was able to get three aces, Max Freed, Clayton Kershaw, and Sonny Gray. And I will say, like, I would probably collect the all aces set. I think it's fun. And also maybe get them signed at a show or something. If you I can. agree. I, I was just talking to Drew about that the other day. I said the, the aces subset is looks like a great uh, set to try to get signed. I got Carlos Rendon, which is okay. Uh, yeah. I got my box when I was in Florida last week and I was, I liked, I'm like with you, I like to design. I was kind of pro- positive about it. After I opened the box, I was pretty, pretty, pretty ha- happy with it. I uh, just did put them all in number order the other day. And I think I need like eight or 10 cards for the base set. Yeah. I will say that, you know, they probably printed a lot of it. I will say all the rookies I needed, I got them all. Yeah. Me the too. And the, and, you know, and, and, and some of the insert rookies too. So we know I know there's been talk this past week about some tops getting rid of some sets, including opening day, but I can see why, because if they want to make the flagship the place to go for kids and other people, I mean, there's no reason to replicate that, especially especially in hockey, you know, with upper deck uh, and tops to a certain degree. People are they're falling behind in production of the of the, you know, like for example, in, in hockey, the cup came out and it's like 20, 2021, you know, it's we're like two years behind. So it's kind of hard to get into that mindset. So I don't think tops stop production of that i think fanatics is trying to rethink a little bit of what's going on but i will say kids could definitely get into uh flagship and, I, and the box was i paid more than 89 dollars. i paid with tax it was almost 99 dollars. but still yeah, not, me too i i got too- in florida and i paid 99 bucks i don't think there was a tax on it but it was no, um right you know i think that they, 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 i think they're going to try to keep that price down and if you in you know if you're not crazy like you and i and you want to wait I bet there'll be a, those things because they. I think they printed more than a million of each card. I think they'll those prices will drop, especially at Walmart when they have their their clearance. You know, if you you can right. wait it out. Yeah, um, I, I like to get this whole the set. I like to buy this the the set from Walmart for whatever it is fifty sixty dollars. But I also like getting the boxes and ripping the packs. Um, you know what? I I'm not quite sure. When I opened it, I thought, oh, this is a good box. And then I've seen other people open it and, and opening in it, and they seem to be getting more inserts than I got. I don't know. Mm, yeah, maybe the collation is off. I, I did okay. I will say the one thing I don't like about it, it's something that's not new, is you know, you either get the autograph or the patch. You don't get yeah. both. And so I didn't get an autograph, but I did get a Bo Bichette game-worn patch. And, you know, Bo Bichette's a great player, a good player. That's so very I, cool. I got I'll – show, I'll show you mine. I got – Ethan Small, who okay. is, I don't know if you can see that, he's a Brewers rookie pitcher. Oh, right, right. Nice. So I did get an autograph, but it is a sticker, you know, it's a sticker autograph, I right, think. Right. Yeah, it's a sticker autograph. Yeah, I understand this is not a premium, um, you know, uh, set. So I get that, you know, some of the inserts and some of the other stuff is going to be a little bit more low grade because they're going to save the autographs and the patches for the, you know, the really high end stuff. I get that, you know, um, during the pandemic, I remember buying a couple of boxes of Topps uh, Tribute, and those are really nice, and they're expensive. Yep. But you get some really, really nice Hall of Famers and some really nice current players, and I can understand why you want to sort of move that stuff to the high-end stuff. I just don't want them to get rid of too much high-end stuff. I want them to keep, you know, people like us want to you know dabble in a little bit of both, especially on the low-end low, low end stuff, and I want kids to get into it. I don't want it to be so scary for kids that they can't afford packs or a box so that's right that's drew and i were worried that they were gonna uh end the heritage which we both love and you know they have the minor league heritage which is a great great for ttming and autographs and uh i'm not sure about the archives the archives seems to be a lot of duplication of what the heritage 
is, but they kept that they kept that so far. But I could see our archives going by the wayside as well. Well, archives is interesting because a lot of the, the designs you see in archives, you see as a as a, a subset in in the flagship. So it's a it's weird. Right. I would say I like art. I like archives though. Um, I, I have bought boxes of archives, and I do like um, heritage. I think you know heritage is strange. Heritage is one of those very polarizing. People either love heritage or they hate. It. I don't know why it's so. Yeah, uh, I love it from an autograph standpoint. It's probably the best autograph card out there nowadays. You don't have to worry about stock. prepping him. Because of the paper stock, right? Yeah, stock is ideal. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It reminds me a little bit of a uh, of the OPC hockey, which I know we're going to talk about. Yep. Do you do you think uh, are you are you going to collect the set the the series one set? Are you thinking to buy any more cards or you just kind of? No, it's funny because I see so much of it around at Target and other places. I have to stop myself from buying. Yeah, more. I know because it's basically I'm just buying it and I'm just opening it and I'm I'm probably not going to keep too many of the cards. You're right. I'm going to either give them away. I don't collect the set, the base basically for space and not for anything else. And I, and I agree with you. I like to sometimes buy the box, keep it sealed, put on a shelf. And those boxes now come with premium cards too in them. So that's kind of a way, and, you know, and it's much cheaper, but it gets you out of the guilty pleasure of ripping packs, which is what we love to do, right? Right, I know. It's fun. <laughs> it's it's fun. It was, you know, we always wait for it all year, the the release. And it was, it was, uh, it was everything I expected. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I would give it like three and a half stars out of five. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I agree. I think it was satisfying enough. Um, but, you know, with every passing year, Fanatics is involved now with Tops. I wonder if, you know, they have to raise the bar a little bit. So we'll see in the future what, what that brings. Yeah, I know. And I, and I think they're, they're trying to make it available. And I saw they have the um, Tops user conference, not user, it's a Tops conference, whatever, dealer conference that they had this weekend. Right. And Fanatics is saying that they try, they want to grow tenfold. So to grow tenfold is a lot. And they're going to have to do some thing uh different and they're gonna have to get a lot of the so-called non-collectors that are sports fans to start collecting right the kids and i think the key the key to that is is you have to appeal to younger people i I think of my son right who's right years old and at 11 years old i was buying cards and 11 years old he's playing video games or he's on a he's on the app he's not on he's on buying cardboard and so i wonder how do you break that you know for us it's nostalgia Right. For them, it will be hard to market to those people. And I can see a time in the future where a lot of kids today will be nostalgic about Pokemon, for example, but not sports cards. And I wonder if they should do more giveaways at games and and, and just keep, you know, make sure Tops is advertising during baseball games. I I, I mean, I, there needs to be more synergy there. Otherwise, I think if you don't put it in front of people, people, you know, people I know who don't know anything about baseball cards, like, oh, yeah, baseball cards. I did that when I was a kid. Like, they, they don't think it's right. a thing. And so... I think it needs to become more mainstream. It's become much more mainstream in the last few years, I will say. But are the 10-year-olds, the 12-year-olds, are they buying cards? And I just don't know what the data on that is. I just, I know when I go to my LCS and I see kids there sometimes, I'm, I'm kind of really happy. I do see kids at shows, I will admit. Yeah. But I also see a lot of guys our age at shows. And I and I wonder, like, the scale's tipping in that direction and, and maybe this this hobby will go away someday. But as long as people like sports, I agree, you can convert them into card collectors. Right. And I think uh, a couple of things, I think the availability of the cards, which has been a problem, especially during uh, COVID, I think Fanatics is certainly appro- uh, approaching that and they're doing something about it. Uh, I think you have to have the cards in grocery stores, in retail stores, at the ballpark, so that the the eight or nine year old kid can say, hey, mom, dad, can you buy me a couple packs of cards, right? right. To make 
to make them available. And then also, I, I think if they uh, somehow get into the schools and make the, get the cards into the kids' cans, hands at schools when they're in first, second, third grade, fourth grade, and get wow. them into their hands, I think then it's going to be something that the kids want, right? It'll, it'll yeah. all... My other, yeah, my other idea for a very long time, um, with just talking to people about, about getting kids involved is, is, you know, tops fanatics should work with little leagues. I mean, kids are playing baseball. Well, they are. I don't know if you saw that they have this, they're going to make an announcement. Uh, I think in a couple of weeks that they're, uh, doing something with little league. They, they have, uh, that makes sense. and there's something with that that's tied in with little league, and I just don't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, even even if you have local LCSs work with the local little league, and you know, make it a, a tops program. I mean, I'm sure they're working on stuff, but but they could have been doing this for 20 years, tops, and they weren't. So I mean, I you know, so Fanatics has to catch up here. But yeah, it sounds like all good stuff, and I think it's you know, the hobby is very vibrant. You can tell by the high end stuff. My fear is that we we judge the hobby by the high end sales and does that translate into like the everyday sales right so right and i think to grow to grow the way that they want to grow i think fanatics understands that and they see the see the problem and i think the problem as a hobby and uh mainly cuz of tops tops was the only guy in town so they didn't really have to market and you know what they used to have a commercial every 10 years you'd see a, you'd see a, see a commercial for baseball cards on Saturday morning cartoons or whatever but right. There wasn't, they didn't really have to market, right? It was, they were, they were, I don't know if they were happy with what they were doing. They were, you know, they, they were getting, putting a piece of gum in every pack and that was their goal, right? They wanted to get rid of gum. And then, uh, you know, baseball cards, obviously in the last, whatever, 25, 30 years has, has become nostalgic and older guys like us are, are collecting, but you have to have the kids collecting. You know, when I started doing my podcast five years ago, my wife was like, why are you doing that? no one you, you the hobby's gonna die in 10 years there's no kid no kids no kids collect cards and yeah like you you when you go to shows it's nice to see kids there so i think um it's turned the corner but it hasn't it hasn't rectified itself and maybe part of the problem is baseball or baseball isn't addressing that either right yeah i remember a couple of years ago i started going back to shows like about four years ago before the pandemic i went back to shows and i was taking my daughter with me and there are not that many women in the hobby or young girls in the hobby. So it's cool to, that she was, in, and she's into sports. And I remember one time we were opening a box of something or other. And this is after I took her to a few shows and we were talking about my, my childhood and all that. And I remember we opened the pack of something or other and she goes, oh, wow, that's cool. That's a die cut. And I thought my job, my job is done here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know she is one cut. of us. <laughs> you know what a die cut is, then you're, you're in, right? So um, but anyway, so, but you're right. You, I think it's up to us too, as parents with kids, you know, they ask about your childhood and you tell them, look, baseball cards, I would spend Saturdays, hours on Saturdays going to the LCS and staring at the backs of these cards. You know, I get that a lot of the allure of baseball now is those stats are on the internet. I get that, you know, and I don't read the backs of cards as much as I used to any, you know, nowadays, but you know, they serve the purpose for us. And I think, you know, they can still today, you know, and I know they've tried all kinds of stuff digitally. I don't, I don't think digital cards work. And NFT... I agree. I, I The NFTs and these digital cards and there might, there might be a place for it, but it doesn't, you really want to physically hold that card. You want to have that card in your hand. It's very tactile. Like when I opened series one, like I can smell the cards, I, you know, that's like the kind of thing that, that you can't do on a screen. And so that I do think that that 
if we get that as part of people's habits, younger people's habits, the hobby will survive for sure. Yeah, and maybe it's as simple as fanatics uh, putting a piece of gum back in the in the in the pack. You know what I mean? And you know, you can sell hobby and retail, and have the retails have the gum in it, and the hobbies not have the gum in it. And like, instead of getting rid of opening day, why not just bring gum to opening day? That might have been crazy, but it might have been fun, right? Right. So we'll see. Well, hey, you know, you mentioned OPG. OPG uh, launched the other day. I was just on Upper Deck site. You can get a blaster uh, box for about $25, which is not bad. And I think the hobby boxes were $89, if I'm correct. Um, and it's a 2022-23 release, which is great for Upper Deck. <laughs> they actually got it in season, right? Right. They're definitely on, uh, on schedule. No, I think OPG is... Great. I mean, for us, obviously, Opeachy is a storied name. You know, it was tied to Tops back then. You know, now owned by Upper Deck, and the card stock is very much like Heritage Baseball. Yeah, it's very much one of those. You know, very pretty sets. You know, I, I like the subset, the Marquee Rookies, and there's, you know, um, you can go and chase those. Um, it's a 600 card set, so in that way, it's it's massive. It's huge. Um, but the price point is great. I mean, I've seen boxes for even as little as 75 and blasters at 25. So I would recommend, and they're widely available. I remember seeing right. it last year, seeing it in retail all over the place. Right. So the best part, the best part of, of hockey for you and I is that we love it, but it's available. Yeah. Like, for example, my target near me, they all have hockey and it'll just sit there for weeks and weeks. And I just, every time I go, I'll buy something and it doesn't sell out like baseball would or, or even, you know, football or other sports. So in that sense, yeah, I, you know, even though New York and you're in Boston, like those are hockey towns, but there still aren't enough hockey fans, I think, that that could, you know, like baseball or football or basketball. I mean, I mean, during the pandemic or pre-pandemic basketball was, you know, people were flipping those. No one's flipping hockey. And so, yeah, right. when, when you collect hockey, you're kind of in a smaller subset. And, and you know, I like being in that smaller group. Um, the truth is when I hear people um, inflating the prices of football and basketball, all I keep thinking is I hope I hope they don't come to hockey. Like, don't look here. Don't notice us because I would hate for that to be – I want hockey to be popular and I want hockey collecting and cards to be popular. But at the same time, I don't want to get priced out either. So it's kind of a weird kind of uh, – middle dance we do but like i say you know i've seen boxes for 70 75 dollars yeah. i didn't get any boxes yesterday my lcs didn't have them so i ordered two online i ordered two boxes because it's just a fun rip and in a lot of ways it's more almost more fun than the flagship um because i must admit the flagship while the young guns are fun and, and they have hold value the design every year looks very similar and so it's hard to tell them apart in the last five six years yeah i agree i would tell people if you're interested in hockey or you're new to hockey or you just love hockey i would go peachy and right and, and it goes deeper right the 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 checklist goes deeper so you get that you get that second and third line offense uh offensive yes. player or the or the you know the fourth defenseman or fifth defenseman yeah, absolutely. And then, and then this same design will be used later in the year for OPG Platinum. And Platinum is a great product. You can't get it signed because it's very shiny, but Platinum right. is also a nice design because it's the same design as, as this set. So yeah, all around, I would recommend, you know, and the blasters, you know, at 25 are a good deal, but I think I would almost pluck down for the boxes because you're going to get a lot more for your money. You might get numbered inserts and other things. Um, you know, you're not going to get autographs here. You're not going to get that kind of stuff, but you're going to get 
the marquee rookies, for example. Right. And- I, no, I agree. I think it, I think it's a better buy. Well, hey, the NHL trade deadline. Are we finished? Are we are we done with these silly we trades? Couple, we have a couple of days left. And <laughs> it's like the funny thing about the NHL is right. It's like you you know I, the the old joke was that if you could skate you could get put on a playoff roster, right? And the, the trading deadline is so late in the season that, you know, the, the, if you're out of it, these guys, the, the, the dump, the, these teams that are in the playoff hunt are dumping first and second round draft picks. Like they're, they're nothing. So, right. I'm, so not quite, just, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Yeah, so if you're looking at, yeah, you know, if you, if you just even knew to hockey and you're looking at who who's going where you'll see, you know, like for example, the Rangers have done very well in this period they picked up vladimir tarasenko from st louis and of course patrick came from the blackhawks but you're right they're constantly dealing these future players who you don't know what you're going to get there and i think teams are looking for immediacy teams want to make a playoff run right now and so they got to bolster their rosters right now so if you're the rangers and you're kind of one of these middle teams you know you're a good team you're going to make the playoffs but you're probably you know you might get knocked out early you got to bolster your team. And then the Rangers now have a lot of depth because they have Kane, they have Tarasenko in addition to Panarin, a bunch of other guys they have. You know, you know you're deep when a guy like Kreider is like on the power plate line. You know, you yep. know that. But, you know, even for example, the Bruins who are 99 points as of right now, they're going for the record of most wins, most points in a season. You know, even they picked up a couple of defensemen because they realized we got to make a playoff run. We need to shore up some of our potential issues. We want to create more depth. And um, so, yeah, right. I, mean, I think that what the Bruins did is they wanted to get size and toughness. I think they picked up two tough players. They they have enough skill players, but they were were lacking a little yeah, on the back end of the roster. I mentioned, for example, the Bruins have 99 points and Pasternak is, you know, second in goals in the league, fourth overall in, in points. But you can get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and none of that matters. Yeah. And so these teams know that and they want to, you know, they obviously want to bulk up. And so. The teams that bulked up the most, I would say, are the Oilers, the Bruins, the Rangers, because these are all teams that are really good, but often fail to reach that final mark. You know, do you, do you think any of the players who got traded, uh, I guess, primarily Kane and maybe a couple of other guys, do you think that's going to affect their card value? And, you know, Kane going to, uh, you know, a, a major market in New York, do you think he his value is going to jump up? Yeah, so his his young guns card is oh seven oh eight um um his, his rookie year. He's obviously a Blackhawks jersey. I think that will climb up. I think now when you have these big shows in the, in the New York area, you'll see people saying, "Oh, I, I'm looking for the young guns," or "I'm looking to be a player collector for Patrick Kane." Because you know, in New York, it's a very big spotlight. You know, and uh, same thing happened with Panarin when he came to New York. People were into Panarin cards and Panarin yep. stuff. And so I definitely think that Patrick Kane's young gun card, which, you know, think about it, it's pretty far back, will go up. Tarasenko, who was a great, is a great player at, was it for St. Louis, for the Blues, his 13, 14 young guns. I can see that being something people want to pick up now when that card probably was probably ignored by most collectors. So I do see that, you know, for, I, one of the deals I thought were, was interesting was the Oilers got Matthias Ekholm. Now he's, he's not- very, is a very good player. A very good player, not a household name, and maybe collectors don't care about him. But the goal of the Oilers is we want to win the Stanley Cup because McDavid, Dreisaitl, those guys are great and their values are high, but they haven't won a Stanley Cup. And the Oilers need a Stanley Cup if you want to put McDavid in that Gretzky yep. pantheon. I will say, having visited the Toronto Sport Expo, which I know is coming up in April, if you go to that show, 
it's number one, it's mostly hockey, but it's a lot of Gretzky and a lot of McDavid. And McDavid really dominates the hobby hockey-wise. And he hasn't even won a Stanley Cup. And I think if the Oilers can not just go on a run, they have to win the Stanley Cup, or at least go to the finals. Yeah. I think that someone like Ekholm, for example, could become like a Kale McCarr, you know, and you can have players like Dreisaitl and McDavid who, who are always one and two in the scoring. But as individuals, they're amazing. But as a team, the Oilers, I think a lot of people like us still harken back to those 80s Oilers teams. Sure. And they want to try to recreate that. And they have the pieces, but the defending has been terrible. Their goaltending has been suspect the last, what, three seasons. So this could be the piece they need. This this might be the most, you know, the Patrick Kane thing is a headline, right? But I do think that some of these other smaller moves could help teams make, make deep runs. And then we'll see. I mean, I'm curious to see what the Bruins do because they have a great team. Pasternak, Marchand, by the way, I think are underrated players. I've always yeah, been. I mean, we just, I think we lost Taylor Hall for a while. He, Right. Yeah. And that's why you, you want to bring in some of these other pieces. Like, for example, they got a couple of players from the Capitals because the Capitals started losing games and they had to dump some players and the Bruins needed that reinforcement. So, you know, and, and, and the truth is the Capitals are really a one trick pony. It's all past the puck to Ovechkin. And he just shoots it from the point and, he, and he, most of the time he scores. So it works. But right. um, I, mean, I, don't, I, I I'm not I haven't seen McDavid play that often because obviously it's Edmonton and I'm, I'm not following the Edmonton Oilers. But I did did watch the game with the Bruins game the other day. And uh, what a what a talent that kid is. And uh, he's on a run. I think he had two more goals yesterday. He's on he's on a little scoring run. Yeah, he, he leads the league in scoring, of course. And I think he's he booked the 50 goal barrier already. I mean, you watch McDavid. You, 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 you're stunned and he can move the puck in a way that you're like, wait, I, and, and defensemen are just staying there. They don't even know where he is. And, you know, and, and I mean, he's kind of truly one in the generation kind of player. And so all the accolades he gets, he deserves, but he needs to be on a team that can win the Stanley cup. And I only imagine if he was in a bigger market, like a New York or, or even LA or, or even LA or even, even Tampa. Right. I yeah. can imagine that it would be, you know, a uh, big time for him. Yeah, I don't. I, I think you and I spoke about this, but when I was a kid, anytime there was a game from Edmonton, it was like watching a game on the moon, because the television feed was always horrible. It was like you know the guys were talking on a phone literally, and the 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 video was grainy. It was just it, it was just a different time. So, uh, you know, Edmonton is in another world sometimes when you yeah, talk my, Edmonton to me. Yeah, my my only experience with those '80s teams was seeing pictures of 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 Messi and Gretzky and Yari Curry and seeing all these guys basically in the Panini hockey sticker album. Yeah. I don't remember ever seeing them on television. And so yeah, you're right. I didn't even know where Edmonton was on the map. It was like a, a mythical place. Like where is this place? I never heard of it. I, I live in New York. I have no idea where this place is. But this team has won tons of championships and you know and it's it's tough for hockey when you know when your best franchises are located in smaller markets for example i'll give you an sure. example if buffalo sabres were to win the stanley cup it would be an amazing story they're a team stacked with young talent but does buffalo really represent the national hockey league and so that's kind of the push pull we we see and then you know in the 90s as you know a lot of the 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 teams moved to the warmer climates to try to nationalize the game a little bit and it's worked in tampa i mean tampa's an amazing franchise even though I think half the fans there are probably former New Yorkers who moved. No, I know. I went to a Tampa game, a Tampa Bay Lightning game uh, a few years ago before they had their run, and literally they only sold tickets on the one side of the stadium that the TV cameras faced. Hmm. So basically, half the stadium was totally empty, even the lower bowl. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. different. Hey, uh, you mentioned the, the Sports Card Expo in, in Toronto. It's coming up April 20th through the 23rd. I know you've attended it in the past. There's a lot of hockey guys that are signing. Uh, will you be attending this year? No, I say no. And then as I look at the date, I look at the calendar, I keep thinking, do I have any conflicts? Could I? You know, Toronto and New York aren't that far by plane. I keep thinking, can I Can I go for a day and a half? You know, it's probably just a fantasy. The truth is I got lucky last year. The pandemic pushed the spring show to June. Yeah, a much better time for me. And so I went that first week of June. It was warm. It was great. But yeah, I was looking at those signers and they have some really good players. Chris Shelley. They really do. At LaFontaine, who, who does in the mail? But Mike Richter will be there and Den Ochara will be there. I mean, there's and then a lot of, you know, Guy Carboneau, a lot of older guys. I mean, that's the thing. They have, it's like, it's like the national, but it's like 90% hockey. And that's really right. Drew, Drew and I always say, we're going to, we got to, we got to go up there and meet Sal and we'll bring you up there too. And yeah, we would, we could, we could broadcast from there. It would be amazing. Um, be, sometimes I think, do I go to the, do I go to the expo and not the national, but you have to go to the national, right? So right. it's kind of hard to, to not do both. And, you know, but it's, you know, the, the one drawback is, you have to figure out the Canadian currency and American. Thankfully, when I went, it was almost one for one. So if something cost $40 Canadian, it was basically $40 American. So that was easy. I didn't have to like take out a calculator and or, or, or you know, convert my money. I remember the cash machine there was very popular because I think a lot of Americans have to exchange money. And so that was the kind of thing that was a little bit, you know, and then when you leave the country, you got to deal with customs and do you, what do you, what do you declare? You know, what's the value of this card? And, you know, do you pay a, some kind of fee? So there's a couple little things you need to be concerned about when you're going to another country. It is another country. And I think Americans often think Canada is the United States. It's not. And, um, but it's a fun show. And if people have a chance to go, they should go. I mean, I, I should point out there's a few baseball signers, including Cecil Fielder, who did play for the, um, for Toronto. And so right. they always have, a, they always do have a couple of uh, yeah, baseball, exactly. but it is certainly hawker. Hey, how is your um, planet soccer newsletter going? It's been about what, two months now. Yeah. We're entering month number three. I keep getting subscribers. It's great. Um, the MLS major league soccer started last week. So a lot of coverage of major league soccer. I've been to a couple, I've been to a few practices and done some interviews and yeah, the content is coming and, and people are, are flocking to it. You know, mostly through social media, which has been great. And it's, it's growing and it's only been three months. It feels like it's, I've been doing it forever. Um, but yeah, it's fun to try out the content. And I think a lot of people are enjoying it. So it's great. Thank you for asking. Have you gotten any professional players on, on your, your distribution list that you know of, or have you to the teams? Yeah. A lot of PR people on the teams and a lot of just readers on Substack who read other soccer stuff see your content and flock to it. And then I have uh, on Twitter, I advertise my, my, I post my stories on Twitter. And as you know, from being active on Twitter, that's a great way for people to see what you're doing and then come in and, and subscribe and, and, and engage with your content. So I, I do, I do love Twitter. I know that Twitter often there's a lot of bad things associated with Twitter, but it's great to promote uh, your stuff on there. For sure. How is the, how's the book sales going? And have we started uh, our, our next book? So no, so there's no next book, even though my daughter and people I know keep asking me, including yourself, and I feel like I have to at some point. To breathe. <laughs> I want to breathe. I do want to breathe because the idea is scary. But in 2026, the World Cup is in this country, and there's definitely a market for another book of some sort. And so I'm thinking about that. Um, current sales, I don't know about because I haven't gotten a quarterly report from my publisher yet, but I did. Something happened that I think happens to every book author is. I was walking around New York and they, I don't know if they have these in Boston, but they have one of these like um, kiosks where people leave books. Yeah, yeah. Pick a book, whatever. And I saw my book in there and I thought, wow, 
my book is on the free rack now. Like <laughs> somebody read it and gave it away, you know, for free. And so I think that's where you are. You're either in the dollar bin somewhere or you're in a free rack somewhere. So I think now three months after the World Cup, I'm, I'm, I'm my book is like for free now. People can get my book for free at their local um, take, you know, their local lending library. So that's where that's where I am now in terms of my book. <laughs> well, guys, it, it's the FIFA World Cup book that uh, Clemente wrote. It's about the history of the World Cup. It's a great book. You, it's still available on Amazon. Make sure you check it out. You can also, there's a link on our website. If you, you click on it, you can get 30% off uh, buying directly from the publisher. So make sure you check that out. How are you doing on TTM returns? Okay, yeah, to close out, we'll close out with TTMs. I got five back in February. I got um, one that had been out for a while, uh, former Bruins goaltender Andy Moog. Oh, nice. I got him too. Yeah, Very nice. I feel everyone's gotten him but me. So I was happy to get him on this upper deck card from 91. So I was happy about that. I sent out a bunch, a few months ago, I sent out a bunch of uh, NFL, retired NFL kickers. Like you, I do like NFL kickers. I love the kickers. Yeah, I think they're a little bit like hockey. I mean, like uh, hockey or soccer goalies. They're a little bit eccentric, a little weird. I sent mine, uh, Sean Landetta of the Giants. I remember him growing up watching. Yep. And he, uh, he he sent this back, which is great. And then, you know, it is March. March Madness is upon us. So I got uh, two Allen and Ginter cards, one of uh, uh, former UConn coach Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun, yep. Drew would be very proud. Drew loves the Allen and Ginter. Yeah, I, I think Drew inspired me. And then, of course, I think Drew got this. And I had to, I had to follow Drew's footsteps. I got Dick Vitale. Oh, nice. Dickie yeah. B. Did you send it to his home in Tampa? I did. I sent to him, and he sent me the card back with another autograph postcard, which was great. Um, and Dick Vitale is, you know, I grew up watching him on TV. He's an, He was an amazing announcer and also was the former coach and all, all that. And then the, my, my last one was another coach, uh, Nick Saban of – Alabama. Oh, nice. And not only did he send me the card sign, he also sent me an autographed eight by 10. Uh, I sent that to the school, by the way. So if you're anyone's interested in Nick Saban, if you mail to the school, I think he'll get back to you. So those are my TTMs for the month. I, I sent out a few, a few hockey, a few, I, I sent out what I call unicorns. I sent out some yep. football quarterbacks. I sent out some um, spring training ones, despite your advice. I sent them out. To Good some luck. Good luck. I just say I sent one today uh, just to see. I don't know. I, yeah, I did it kind of as a kind of as a trial balloon. I'm like, look, I have I have so many of these cards, so many of the base set. I go if I if I part with a few Yankees and Mets cards, it won't hurt me. I'm not collecting the set anyway. I mailed those out. Haven't heard back. It's been like about a week and a half. So we'll see. Well, when I send out my request, I always send out uh, an invitation to come on the show. And I got two hockey guys that re uh, replied to me. So I just, uh, I interviewed him this past week. I interviewed Lou Nanny. You remember Lou Nanny from the Minnesota North Stars? Yeah. He was, he was a great interview. He, I got him on the way to the airport I was, actually. I he, and I interviewed. I think he was required by contract just to, to play hockey in Minnesota, right? That, was that his deal? Interesting enough. He played for the University of Minnesota. And when he <laughs> graduated, he got, um, taken by the Blackhawks because he was a pretty good player in his day wow. uh, when he was in college. And he said, they offered him a contract. And he said, no, I can make more money working than I can playing hockey for you. So he, <laughs> were, he, he basically retired for four or five years. And then when the Minnesota North Stars came, they bought his contract from, they bought his rights from Toronto, or from the Blackhawks or whatever. And he ended up playing whatever, 10 years with the North Stars. And he was a coach and general manager. He was a, a really fun interview. And then I also, I sent a TTM request to 
Don Edwards, who was a goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres and Calgary Flames in Toronto Maple Leafs. And I just interviewed him yesterday. So I, we're going to have a nice, uh, uh, I'll play that in a couple of weeks. So we're going to have a couple of guys on here. Yeah. And then I also got, I got Ian Turnbull. Remember Ian Turnbull, who was a defenseman for the Maple Leafs? I got, I got, actually got four cards from him. You're going through all your 70s sets. Yeah, I have so many cards from 77, 78, 79. Um, I have, I have just so many cards from that era. Uh, So I said, I got to start going through those and send it, send it off some requests, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it's good. All right, buddy. Yeah. What do you got? Anything big planned for the month? Yeah, I know. What you doing with Puck Junk? You got any? Uh... Yeah, so, yeah, I'll have a piece of Puck Junk sometime this month. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, it's not done yet. So I'm still working on that. Um, and then Sports Collectors uh, Digest. I'm always doing stuff for them. So I'm, I'm yeah. working on a few things for them. And so I think probably in a month from now, we'll, we'll I'll have something to talk about next month. Are you traveling? You going to any shows? No, not in March. No shows in March. Um, kind of a quiet month. You know, it's kind of, you know, for, us guys in the Northeast, it's kind of a thaw out month. I'm hoping that the weather gets nicer by the end of the month. And then by April, maybe there's a big show, I think in April uh, in the New York area. So I might go to that. All right, guys, Clemente Lise. It's Clemente's world. We talk soccer and hockey and all everything collecting. Make sure you sign up for his soccer newsletter. It's called Planet Soccer. Clemente, why don't you give the uh, address so that people can sign up for yeah, it? It's planetsoccer.substack.com. And you can follow Clemente on Twitter. He is a, uh, a great uh, tweeter. Yes. All of him on Twitter. And uh, of course, we'll, we talk to Clemente every month. And if something big happens, we have some, some big news in, in hockey or, or soccer, we'll, we'll, we'll reach out to him. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk before the playoffs, right? Maybe we'll talk before playoffs and give our, our picks on, on hockey playoffs. Which is kind of crazy how close that's coming. It's coming up. Yeah. I know. All right, pal. You have a good one. Thank you. I appreciate your time. And it was nice catching up with you. Thank you, Jeff. Drew, I'm so so happy we added Clemente to the rotation. I, I really enjoy talking to him. He's a very passionate collector. He uh, is very eloquent. He's a, a, a really a really nice guy, and and he um he brings to to the table. It gives us a chance to talk hockey, and I know nothing about soccer. We get to talk soccer, and uh, he's just a great addition to the show, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's always good having another perspective on there, especially if it's somebody who's more knowledgeable in the areas that we don't know a thing about because i mean all my soccer knowledge is indoor soccer of the 80s and at this point not too many people really care much about that so it's good to have somebody who knows the more recent stuff you know it's funny he laughs at my dad jokes which is good hey good that always <laughs> somebody has to right yep yep <laughs> somebody has to well that wraps up clemente's world we're gonna go right into collector's corner and now it's time for collector's corner let's hear from our collector this week Drew, Collector's Corner gives us an opportunity to talk to guys like you and I who are passionate about collecting, right? We have all, we've had uh, Celtic Super collectors. We've had uh, just regular everyday collectors. We have, we've had all sorts of kind of cool guys to, to come on and talk about their collection. And uh, I, met, I met the uh, general manager of, he's a brand new uh, position for him. He's the general manager of the um, JetBlue Park down in, uh, in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he worked in the NBA and he worked for the Lowell Spinners and he worked for the Manchester uh, Fisher Cats. And now he's down there managing the the, the um, Red Sox spring training site and uh, dealing with their, a lot of their other stuff. We're going to have him on as a guest, but I met him and he goes, you know what? I got a guy that you got to talk to. 
he goes, this guy's the best. So I'm literally sitting in line waiting to get autographs at the uh, spring training thing. And he's like, here, talk to this guy. He hands me the phone. <laughs> I go, hi. So it, the, the gentleman's name is Tony Swan. Tony Swan is a Chicago guy. And he is the utmost collector of Carlton Fisk memorabilia. I mean, like, nice. like the, like our friend uh, that does the Wade Boggs, remember the Wade Boggs guy, this Tony Swan is the Carlton, Carlton Fisk guy. And one of the cool things he's doing, Carlton Fisk played in like 2,400 and something games. And he's trying to get a ticket stub of every game Carlton Fisk played in. So he has that is a hell of a trick right there. I wow. know. Well, he only needs 41 to complete it. He's oh so, man. Let, it, please enjoy my interview with Tony Swan. Make sure you check on uh, go to Colinfist.com and you can check on the uh, all the stuff that he's collecting. But Tony needs 41 ticket stubs, and they're from all over the place. And surprisingly, there's a lot of them from Arlington uh, Stadium. I oh, guess wow. back, back in the day in the 70s. Arlington used to not sell. He Tony wants a, a ticket stub that has the date on it. Well, okay. they, the the Rangers used to just sell general admission with no date on it for all the outfield seats. So there's not a lot. There's not as many ticket stubs available for the Rangers back in like 72, 73, 74 when Fisk played there. And he needs, I think, half the, car, the seats he needs is from the Arlington Stadium. That sounds like such a Rangers thing to do. I mean, geez. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Well, please enjoy my interview with Tony Swan. Guys, it's time for Collector's Corner. We have a really special collector today. I love talking to guys that are super collectors, and we're going to talk with Tony Swan. Tony Swan is a super Carlton Fisk collector, which is kind of near and dear to my heart because I, you guys know I love Carlton Fisk. I want to talk to Tony about all the cool stuff he's acquired. Tony is from Chicago. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, thank you for having me, Jeff. So uh, this is this is great, Tony. When I when I first learned about what you were doing, the first thing that really intrigued me was you're trying to get a ticket or ticket stub from every game Carlton Fisk played. And he played in 2,456 games. And I can't believe you're only 43 tickets away. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's funny because that's the ticket theme has become a, a huge passion over the last about two decades or so. Um, but it really was just one little minor theme in, in the overall Fisk, uh, Fisk archive that I'm, I'm putting together. And, um, you know, the, it, I guess maybe if I preface it with, you know, I, I've been collecting Fisk, and for, uh, Fisk memorabilia since, I guess I started actually at around seven years old, um, and I'll be uh, 45 next week. So that's essentially my entire life has been <laughs> Carlton Fisk uh, memorabilia collecting. And it was somewhere around 20, probably around 1999 or so that I felt like I hit this, this kind of wall where I didn't know what, what to collect next. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, the collection obviously progressed from as a little kid from baseball cards to publications and, and getting into all the crazy oddball regional food type stuff, the MSA discs, you know, all, all the crazy stuff that we collect, um, you know, eventually into photos and autographs and game used and stadium memorabilia, and you know, artwork, things like that. But it was somewhere around 99 or so that I, I didn't know what was left because I kind of had my want list down to 
you know, next to nothing. And um, it was, it was getting difficult to figure out, you know, what, what was going to keep my passion, uh, (laughs) you know, going for this. And it's, it's literally when I thought up this crazy concept that I I never thought was possible. um, And that was to find one ticket to every game, every major league game he ever played in. Um, which is 2,499 games. So one game shy of 2,500. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's really where it, you know, where it took off. Um, the, the, back then, the, the, biggest, the biggest plus I had going for me was I, I, I did a lot of advertising and marketing in the different cities. Yep. So if you look at, you know, if you look at Fisk's career, um, I knew that once I did all the research, which <laughs> was not easy to do back then because we didn't have things like baseball reference and retro sheet where you could just quickly in five minutes pull up every every listing of every game you ever played in. So that in itself was kind of a collect a collecting, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what you want to call it, but <laughs> a research project that took yeah, a while. Sure. Um, and you know, at that point I realized I was like, well, about 600 games were played at Fenway, about 1300, no, about 750 games were played here in Chicago. Uh, and then the rest leaving, you know, about 1100 and so games on, on all those road cities. So what I wound up doing was, is I did, I did uh, classified ads and newspaper marketing and the, the daily shopper type magazines and things like that. And it was just, a a blanket the United States trying to find random tickets. And, you know, I didn't know at that point, I, I didn't even know what I needed yet. I didn't have my full list. So it took me about a good six months or so to make my, make my list, make a database, um, you know, really get organized. And I think the thing with the tickets that, that I really learned and now tickets are starting to become a little more, a little more collectible than they were 25 years ago. Yep. I was going to ask um, you about that. It, you know, it's 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 really trying to figure out and stay organized as to what you need because I've come across you know many people that have either started to get into tickets or or have done it for a while and their success usually is 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 based on how organized they are as to knowing what they need and it's it's like anything like just a set builder you know same concept and that's that's really where I took the tickets <laughs> to the next level that was like okay I created my own set. And now let's see if it's possible. Have and, the teams been very I mean, helpful to you at all in terms of going to the Red Sox and the White Sox? Did they help you? No, absolutely. Absolutely not. That was nope. never. Um, I tried many teams and I, I even had contacts at, at, at many major league teams. The, the, the short answer is that they don't save tickets. You know, I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And even if even if a particular team did save, let's say the audit stub, you know, the portion they kept back in the day when they ripped the ticket, uh, they only kept that for a period of time, whether that was during the season, a year, five years, you know, whatever it was in storage. And then once that, that auditing and accounting was done, that stuff got destroyed just like everything else. So, you know, I, I tried that. And uh, really what, what's fun about it is that it's not – uh, it's not necessarily collectors that are helping you find these tickets. It's, it's just random fans that save tickets throughout the years and the tickets have a whole life cycle. You know, it's, it, did they get saved? Where did they, you know, did they wind up in a book? Did they wind up in a program? Did they wind up in a box in the attic? 
and it's really just lots of word of mouth um, trying to figure out where where those little scraps of paper still are after all these years. I know you only you only need forty three more tickets. So are there any milestone tickets in in that list, or is it just basically regular season games? Because I looked at the list and. You know, it's it's some a lot of stuff from seventy two and seventy three, and then you have some stuff that's you know in the into the eighties. So, are there any milestone games in your list that you need? No, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, my here here's the thing: milestone tickets, uh, postseason tickets, all star tickets, all that kind of stuff gets saved for a reason. And you know, those were were pretty much easy things to to cross off the list very quickly. Um, it's the, it's the game in April when it was still snowing in Minnesota that you can't find the ticket because 4,000 people were at the game and how many, you know, what was the real paid attendance, uh, as the season ticket holders, maybe that saved the ticket. Um, yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that <laughs> will drive you batty. Uh, and it, it really, what I've learned is it has a lot to do with the location that you're looking for. So pl- paper, uh, places like Boston and Chicago, we, we seem to be cities that save paper. You know, there's lots of paper memorabilia. Yep. Um, paper gets saved and, and, and kept. But then you go to certain cities like uh, my toughest one on the list after, after all these years has been Arlington, Texas. So yeah, I Texas noticed that. Rangers, a, you, have, you have a good number of uh, tickets from uh, Arlington that you need. It's like half, almost half the list. Well, now I think it's 15, I think, is the number there. I just I just crossed one off the list last week. Congratulations. But, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Each one, you know, it's you never know. But it, it has a lot to do. So, I mean, as I've done research in each of the cities and I've talked to more and more people, you start to you start to find out little little things that, you know, really start to scare you when you do a collection like this. Like in um, at the Texas Rangers in the 70s, you know, the season ticket holder base was very, very small. And in the beginning, since that was a converted park, um, you know, converted it to make it major league uh, worthy, the, the, the way they did, did their seating sections and their, their um, tickets in the beginning was that the entire outfield from foul pole to foul pole, so the entire, the entire outfield, was all a general admission uh, undated ticket. And those tickets, those tickets that they used in that time frame until they did the renovations where they added the upper deck and, and you know, modified it. Um, so that's like the first, I think they started those renovations in about 76 or 77. Um, you know, th- those years, that entire part of the the, the stadium is, is not a ticket I could use even if I found it. Right, and I so have found lots of yeah, I mean, my goal, I mean, my my own, you know, I, I obviously created the set, so <laughs> I decided what, what went or didn't go for it. Um, and I, I, I said, it's got to be a, a printed date on the ticket. Yeah, that's the only way that, that I'm going to cross it off the list. And, you know, that, that has a lot to do with it. And then as I talked to more and more people in that area, um, it, it was funny, I kept hearing the story over and over where they said, well, we would go to the, the Rangers games in the early seventies and we would tailgate in the, in the parking lot. And once there were three innings finished, they would just open the gates. So we never needed a ticket. We just literally walked in during the fourth inning and watched the game. <laughs> Interesting. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's little, those little things like that that you start to figure out and you know, you shake your head like, is the ticket, does the ticket really exist? Right, does it even exist at this point? You, it has to be uh, 
the, the, the unknown, right? There's so many, there's so many unknowns there. Um, do you have all his playoff tickets and all his all-star tickets and all the special? Yes. Ones? Yes. Yeah. So those, um, those, I don't even count in that number, but, uh, you know, Pudge played in, um, I guess it was, let me see in my, in my head, I'll quickly do it. 11 all-star games. I know that one off the top of my head. Um, and with the all-star games, since they were very simple to find back then, I, I found a stub and a full ticket, you know, so full tickets were a little tougher to find for sure. some of those. And then the same thing with the postseason. Uh, you have 14 total postseason games. So that would be your playoffs and obviously the only World Series <laughs> in 75. Um, and I was able to find fulls, a full ticket to each one of those games as well, in addition to a stub. So those those get a little more difficult to find uh, in full varieties. But you know, did you have did you have a honey hole somebody that came through and said, "Hey, I got you know 200 tickets that you need," or did you did you no. or was it kind of piecemeal this thing together? Well. You know, I shouldn't say no. Um, when I first started this, uh, there was a, and he's still, he's still at it. He's a, he's an awesome guy. His name is Lenny Starin. He's, um, uh, he's a, he's a dealer of, of tickets primarily. He's out in Pasadena and, um, you know, he, he's helped many, many collectors over the years. And, um, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys that yes, in the beginning, I don't know what the number would have been, but maybe it was a couple hundred tickets, you know, could have been even more, but Lenny, you know, Lenny helped me, he went through his, his vast collection of, of stuff. And, and, you know, once I had the list, we were off to the races. It was like, okay, <laughs> these are the, these are the areas, but like anything, it turns out to be, um, I mean, my, my, what I found was that it was always easiest if I could find one or two people that saved and saved tickets in each of the different cities. And then I could knock off a large percentage of those that, you know, that that's really the, what you're always hoping for. I would hope to get that phone call and somebody would say, oh yeah, you know, I, I saved all my tickets and I went to tickets from <laughs> this year to this year and you buy a big group. And that's really what, what I wound up doing was just buying massive amounts of tickets, not knowing what they were. Sure. And I've, you know, in the process, I've amassed thousands of extra tickets. But, how much, um, how much do you yeah. think you have invested in just the ticket end of it? Oh, I couldn't even. You don't even <laughs> I know. Even, I couldn't even approximate. I mean, a lot. Um, you know, back back 25 years ago, it, you know, it was like, okay, I'll buy it for a dollar a ticket. You know, something like that. But right. you know, maybe I bought a, a group of 500 tickets, and I'd find one Fisk ticket that I needed. You know, that or or zero. You know, that that's kind of how I did it. But you know, in the process of doing that, like any kind of collection. Um, it really helped because I wound up with an inventory that I could sell or trade to other collectors as it went along. And by me doing my database, uh, which you can find on the website, uh, the database, I've put all the relevant info that I could come up with on each of these games. And that helped me go find other collectors to see where the overlaps were. So little crazy things that you don't think of that would maybe happen in a span of 2,500 games, but let's say you have um, games that Fisk was involved with that there was a triple play that happened or a no hitter or um, a milestone home run or a hit for another player. For instance, uh, Fisk was in the game where Ken Griffey Jr. got his first career home run. Uh, he was also played in the game where Kel Ripken Jr. got his first career hit. You know, so there's little things like that that you can start to 
you know, figure out where those overlaps are and then figure out who might be able to help you locate that ticket. But after all these years, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've used that up. You know, there's no, no, I'm sure, nothing, I, I'm, sure I, I'm sure I can't give you any hints on how to get, get the last ones you need, but we're talking to Tony Swan. Tony Swan is a Carlton Fisk super collector. He has a website. It's Carlton, Carlton All his, there's a, all his stuff is there. You can find uh, all photos and uh, just a rundown of everything that he's collected as well as his, his ticket list and the tickets that he's looking for. He only needs 43 more tickets to complete the set. When I say set, that's 2,499 major league games that Carlton played in, uh, and he's down to 43. So if you have any ticket stubs lying around, either that the Red Sox played in or the White Sox played in, um, go check it out. It's carltonfisk.com, and uh, hopefully we can find a few t- tickets to help Tony going out, going and, and complete this list, because I, when you started, Tony, did you, you realize how, what a a project it was going to be and did you really have hope of completing this thing no to be honest i mean i should have because I, i'm that kind of person that like i usually don't start something that i don't think is going to be <laughs> you know attainable but i really like i said i had hit that collecting wall and i didn't know what to go after next and i i just kind of thought like okay this will keep me busy you know this will be fun and i i toyed with the idea of just um just collecting like milestone games and, you know, home run tickets, things like that. But I'm so happy that, you know, at this point in the, in the, in the game that I, I did go after everything because I would have just second guessed like what, what, what I've missed <laughs> over all those years. Right. And, and speaking of way, everything guys, guys, he has everything that Colin Fisk ever touched. Basically he has, stuff from Calumphus High School. He has W-2 forms. He has contracts. He has all sorts of cool stuff that he's acquired. Um, have you become friends with any of Fisk's family or friends from back in the day? And have they helped you out at all? You know, not really. Um, that, that's that's one thing that there was one area I never really wanted to kind of, you know, overstep my boundaries. I mean, luckily, sure. you know, over the years, the you know, as I've met met Pudge at the many autograph, you know, autograph shows and, and things like that over the years. Um, uh, you know, he, he obviously knows who I am <laughs> yep. and uh, you know, it's, it, 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 it's evolved pretty well because I, I would bring him the craziest stuff to autograph, right? Like, you know, game used items that you never would think existed or, or, or crazy stuff. And he never really was phased by that, but, the ticket collection was the one thing that he really like his eyes would kind of light up like really you know because it's not it's not a specific thing to him but it it is all about him you know and that's really where um that i think that kind of changed you know we kind of took a turn and he'll ask me the first you know first time i see him i'll say tony you know what's the number (laughs) you know that's, (laughs) that's 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 the question what's the number because you know, it's it, like I said, something that was just a minor little theme in the collection became this major passion over, you know, 20 some years now. And, how do you, um, how do you organize I, and, and display them, Tony? Is, do you have favorite tickets well, that, that you display or? You know, I, since the collection's not complete, I never, I, I, I didn't worry about dis- displaying yet other than in an online fashion. So uh, if you saw on the website, literally every Fisk ticket has been scanned in and searchable in that online database. So you can go from game one all the way to the end and you can see, you know, you can see that. Um, And what that's allowed me to do is also put up all the variations that I've found. So 
when it when I went through the years where it was even tough to find tickets, I I went a little off the deep end as well. <laughs> no surprise. I would surprise, right? col- <laughs> color variations of the tickets, seating variations like uh, wheelchair access, ladies' night, kid kids type admission tickets. Um, anything that was a ticket related, uh, variation on that for a game, I would collect it. So I would say the Fisk ticket collection is probably a little over 5,000 unique tickets, uh, at this point in time, just because of those variations. Cause for, you know, some games I'll only have one stub, some games I'll have a stub and a full, or I might have four different style stubs, um, or a full or whatever it may be. So that's kind of where that, you know, where that, that went. And uh, it's, it's been fun. It's, it's been a lot of fun in the, in the process. I've met in so terms, many people you know, doing it. In terms of like fist baseball cards, I'm, I'm assuming that's where you kind of started as a kid. And, and as you got older, added to it, do you have a, a favorite fist uh, tops card or a fist uh, card that you really enjoy? Um. You know, I did start definitely with baseball cards. That was the number one. That was the number one thing I think, like most most people. Uh, and you know, at the time, you know, so I, I started in I guess it would be the mid '80s at that point. And you know, it was everybody always talked about the rookie card. It's like, okay, well, that you know, that kind of stood out. But you know, as as, as years went on, then it wasn't <laughs> it, it it wasn't um, you know so high on the list anymore. I guess maybe favorite tops card. I think of all of the, the tops era cards, uh, playing days. I, I like the 74. Um, yeah. I was going to say 74 the 74. Tops. I saw, I saw that you have a picture, uh, a copy of the picture that was used for, for that image. How did you get that? That one was, uh, I'm pretty certain that the original photo for that was a tops vault auction, uh, somewhere in the early 2000s, when Tops Vault first started um, selling that stuff, I, I went crazy when when they first first came up with the Tops Vault uh, concept on eBay. I don't know if they still do it or not, but <laughs> back then, um, lots and lots of <laughs> crazy proof material, um, original original negatives and photo slides. That what's so great about that photo for the 74 card was that to make it a horizontal um, mounted card they had to add more to the picture so it's one of those cards you can't unsee it once you see it if you look at Fisk 74 card and you look the fans on the left hand side there's a group of them that are all duplicated <laughs> i never noticed that I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a crazy thing but because they when they flipped the flipped the photo over there wasn't enough <laughs> wasn't enough picture so you literally can see the one the one group of fans where they've replicated this little like, you know, quarter inch of fans in, you know, a second time. Yep. So it's, it's a great one. Go, go study the 74 tops card later. I will. I, you know what? I, I went on the site the other day and I was looking at all the stuff in, from the early seven, late sixties and early seventies. Cause obviously he, that was in his minor league days and there's not as much stuff out there. Uh, was that some of that stuff difficult for you to get your hands on? Oh yeah. I mean the, um, the, the, the most difficult the most difficult stuff I would say to find for him would, would have been the, the high school memorabilia and the, uh, and, and the minor league, the minor league type stuff. The, you know, the high school stuff was funny because I learned at an early age to do this like advertising. So <laughs> I would take out ads and newspapers and, you know, as a kid, like at that point, probably in high school, you know, I'd 
I, you know, I have, I'd, I'd be calling, you know, back then, like long distance, you know, all over the country. Yeah. Like, okay. like, what are you, you're a crazy kid. What are you trying to do here? Yeah. You know, and my parents would be like, why are all these calls? Where are all these calls from New Hampshire? You know, like, you know, back in the day when people cared about that, uh, <laughs> it was, it was funny, but that was you know, one of the things that stuck with me very early on was that I had read somewhere. They said, well, an advanced collector would own um, a high school yearbook a senior high school yearbook for the person they're collecting. I don't know if you ever heard that before, but at some point I, it stuck in my mind, like, Oh, that's, that's kind of like an advanced collector thing. And I should do that. Well, some people get lucky and the kid, you know, the, the, their celebrity goes to a high school with a thousand students and it's a big public high school or something. Well, <laughs> unfortunately for me, Carlton Fisk grew up in Charlestown, New Hampshire, which is a small little town, uh, right on the border near Vermont there. Yep. And um, about, I think the population at the time was about 3000 people in the town. So his graduating class was 41 students. And to make matters worse, they didn't have individual photos for the underclassmen. So there was no real incentive for the kids that were, you know, um, freshmen, sophomores, juniors to buy the book. Right. So a very limited number of books were made. And, you know, I went to, I remember starting that search. This is you know, pre, <laughs> pre-internet basically. And um, find, reaching out to a guy that, I forget what his name was now, but he was the one that basically supplied all those high school photos to the TV shows, like the Entertainment Tonight's and stuff of the day. Sure. So if you, you know, that he was the guy. And I said, Hey, you know, is there any way you can help me with this? And he told me, he's like, well, here's my list of like five things you can try. And unfortunately, none of those are going to probably work for you because of of the size of the town, size of the school. And to make matters worse, Fisk's year that he graduated in 65 was the last year of that high school. So starting in 66, they moved the high school to a regional type school. So they bust the kids from Charlestown to the, to where the other, you know, the other school was, and they, they changed the district around. So that school was essentially gone. So it's not like you could go to the high school and, yep. and, and That's say, why oh, I can I, can I might, look in your library? You might have contacted his parents or his brothers or sisters or his I mean, I or somebody, you know? I mean, I really should have, and it probably would have simplified matters. But I just never felt comfortable doing that. And I always felt like, you know, to, to be a collector of that stuff, you should try to, you know, do it the hard way. <laughs> and I, the way it started before I'd even advertised in the town, which that, that became many years. But what, what I wound up doing was is I, I located like the address of the school and I found you know, whatever it was now. I think at that point in time, it actually had become like a grammar school. Um, and I got somebody on the phone, the phone, like a secretary, and she told, and I, and I told her what I was doing. And I thought, you know, the person would probably laugh and hang up, but instead she says, Oh, my brother, so-and-so went to school with Pudgy. I was like, Oh, really? So <laughs> I got that phone number and I talked to that individual and, Oh, well, I really, I, I was a year older than him. So I wouldn't have had the, you know, the senior high school yearbook, right. that kind of thing. So, and it just turned out to be like this word of mouth where I would go from, <laughs> hopefully that next person would give me the next lead to the next lead to the next lead. And um, 
my biggest heartache with that whole concept of the yearbook was that everybody was very sentimental about their high school days in the small little town. And I did locate numerous copies of the book um, and nobody would sell me one. (laughs) So it was a, it was an ongoing battle. And eventually, I mean, I had some crazy stories. I remember a guy that I, I reached out to and he said, um, I, I kept all my notes from this. I, I should probably go pull that up and write a book at some point. But the, the, I remember this this one individual. He says, I had it all and I went off to Vietnam and my parents threw it all out because they didn't think I was coming home. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, just crazy stuff that you can't make up. And um, as, it, as it wound up, it took about about two years. And the, the way that it, it worked out for me was that I was able to, the people that wouldn't sell the book, they were able to make me some photocopies or they sent me a fax of some of the pages. And that gave me more names to go study and research. And I just kept cold calling basically until I came across someone that, um, as it turned out, he was the high, my first copy of that book that I was looking for came from the high school, um, yearbook editor. (laughs) And, um, you know, so it's just, just just crazy little stories like that. But, you know, just each one of these processes always, they always spiral out. So I guess that was kind of like my initiation into the, you know, try to find something impossible that led me into the tickets. What was your, what was your first reaction when you met Carlton for the first time? What, what, what was that? Where, what was that like? And where was it? You know, I believe the first time was a show in, um, at a, at a, one of the hotels in Rosemont, which, yep. um, you've probably been to the national many times and, sure. and you know, right, right. And right in that area where they, where they do the national, but I think, cause I still have the flyer somewhere around. Uh, I saw it not too, not too long ago. And it was like $7 for an autograph. And I think it was maybe 1987. Um, and I still remember at that point, you know, I, I think I had only brought maybe a baseball and a couple photos to have autographed. And I remember what I did was, is I, and he probably thought I was nuts even at that point and threw it out. But um, I, I had kept a database even at that early age. <laughs> so I was like maybe like 10 at that point. And um, I had kept a, I, I had kept a database of the cards that I had because I was so into this the concept of the oddball, the oddball uh, cards yeah. that I knew I needed to keep track. So that was, I was at a show, I could go look at my list. So I had like a want list and I had a collection list. And I remember giving him a, <laughs> a copy of that at, at that early time. But what, um, what yeah, was his reaction was to, to you? You were, you, you were a kid then, right? Were you 10 or 12 years old? Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was just a little kid. So, I mean, I, I remember him kind of smiling and that was probably about it. But, you know, fast forward, Many, many years later when, um, so I have three kids and my one son who uh, is the, the baseball nut of the group, you know, he's, he's taken on the, you know, he's, he knows everything about Carlton Fisk, of course. So fast forward to when he, when, when Spencer, my son Spencer was about, mm, probably about the same age, probably wait, like seven wait, wait, or eight you didn't or name so. your kid. You didn't name your kid Padre Carlton? Well, so what we did... <laughs> is that Spencer's middle name is Ernest. Um, Carlton Fisk's middle name is Ernest. Okay. My, one of my other collecting hobbies. So Spencer is a twin. Spencer and Austin are the two boys, the two twins. 
And um, Austin's middle name is Zachary after John Zachary DeLorean. That's my other, one of my other major collecting uh, things. I collect DeLoreans, you know, the, the, the cars sure. <laughs> from the early 80s. And uh, so it just kind of worked out that Austin became the car nut and Spencer became the baseball kid. So it, it luckily that worked out. So he has the Spencer Ernest um, name and Fisk wrote a, it was funny because <laughs> maybe the second time he met Spencer, he, he inscribed a ball and he said um, something like to the number two, to the little number two Carlton Fisk fan, uh, you know, Spencer Ernest, <laughs> he liked that. It's very cool. I know you're looking for a lot of oddball type stuff, kind of food related things and um, different different things. And I, one of the things I really like is the Kellogg's um, posters and, and advertisement for the, the old 3D and, and 2D cards. Um, why, don't oh, you, yeah. why don't you talk about a few of the oddball items that, that are on your want list? Oh, thanks. Yeah. You know, the, the like the, the list is so obscure at this point. And, you know, as I've tried to spend more time documenting the rest of, you know, what I have, because at one point I was, you know, purchasing items a lot faster than I could ever add them to the database. Um, one of those, one of those things I realized not too long ago was that I was missing the 73 Kellogg's um, uh, cereal box. You know, oh, Tony, how could you have done that? Or, Shame on you. I know. <laughs> well, what it was is Steve Carlton was the major one on that one. And then they had like four or five little, you know, like minor cards underneath the one big card on the back. And Fisk is the one card on the back that, you know, the, um, I had the, the other seven, the other Kellogg's issue that he was on the back of the box from 74, but the one from 73, you know, really has turned out to be kind of tough to find. And I think it has a lot to do with, obviously it's Raisin Bran, you know, where, in 74, it was on Frosted Flakes. So at mm -hmm. least you had kids that probably wanted to eat the Frosted Flakes, but you know, how many kids wanted Raisin Bran as their, as their morning cereal? So that, that's definitely big on the want list. Um, the other one that's kind of large that it, it, it's escaped me for many, many years was that in 91, um, Opeachy had a, uh, a pre-production sample sheet, basically a just like they did nine card, like a nine card sheet. So it's the size of nine cards all yeah, in one. Yeah, that they would put it in ma magazines or whatever, right? Well, yeah. So these were these were primarily just distributed to dealers. And when you flip the nine card panel over, it doesn't have any of the statistics for the cards. It has just a large Opeachy anniversary type logo on the back. Okay. And it was one of these sets that... Um, you know, th this was actually my fault, but I probably don't have it because early on around that time, around maybe 92 or 93, I added one of these pre-production sample sheets to the Fisk collection. And I just kind of crossed it off my list because I said, oh, I have it. You know, the Fisk has his, I think that one was like the record breaker card or something was on it. And I crossed it off the list and I never really looked again. And then it was about 10 or 15 years later I realized Fisk was actually on a second panel in that set of pre-production um, pieces. You know, it wasn't, it's not like this stuff was, those weren't in the standard catalogs and things like that back then. And, um, you know, the, the one that I still need uh, has some other, you know, major players like Frank Thomas and um, Ken Griffey Jr.'s on that one. Yep. And for some reason, it's very, very scarce. It's just, uh, it had to be short printed or something where, 
the, the other panel that I have, the Fisk one, I, I have three copies of that now. <laughs> and I still have zero of the of the one I'm looking for. So, you know, some of that kind of stuff is is obscure. Um, do you, do you have the, MS, the 1990 yeah. Tops Fisk No Black? Do you ever seen that? Yes. You know, that one, um, that that's another crazy one because that came from the same uh, the same panel, the same sheet as the Frank Thomas no That's name, right. the no name uh, right. rookie card. And it really was just, you know, that was probably cataloged for the first time. Maybe I'm trying to think, I, I didn't even know about it uh, until maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Um, uh, a guy that I know, uh, his name is Ross. Uh, he's a big Frank Thomas collector. And he's the one that started that whole that whole kind of investigation into how did the no name card uh, originate. And um, he's got a great blog site that had you know, all of that, basically figuring out where the cards were on the panel at the time and you know, where the printing mistake would have, you know, didn't, didn't grab the black ink and all that. And he's the one that told me, he's like, well, you know, there's a fisk that would have been affected. <laughs> and you're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, oh no. And it was the same problem. Like nobody would give one up. And uh, luck, you know, and then I, for, for years, would just look at every, <laughs> that's like, that's card number 392, I think. Um, <laughs> I would look at every 1990 Tops three, card 392 every time I saw a bin or a box or, you know, random lot on eBay. It was always, you know, looking for that card. And eventually I found one. So, <laughs> so that, that's, that's good cool. to, uh, you know, have do you, off do the you list, add, but... Do you add to your list and collect the newer uh, releases of Fisk? I know that the Tops archive, uh, had a fisk in it last last year and there's there's always seems to be new fisk cards coming out every year yeah oh i mean i i i really was 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 gung-ho on every card through about 2005 and 2005 was that year when donris did those crazy sets where i don't know he had like 51 of ones or something i mean it yeah. was it was insane um and that's kind of when i said this is nuts and i stopped with the new cards um, you know, I can definitely tell you, I have every, you know, every, every card and, and weird oddball variation through the year 2000, his, his, um, uh, his year of, of the induction, uh, hall of fame induction. And then those next few years, uh, you know, pretty complete. I think I'm missing one, one of one somewhere in 2001, but, um, then I kind of stopped. And so my, my, my viewpoint on it now was that, yeah, I'll still buy new cards if I like the photo or like the imagery or, or, or the design. Um, but the stuff was so recycled, you know, it was just the same stock photos over and over that it really got a little, you know, a little much. So I, I didn't, um, I didn't go crazy with that stuff. What's after, the last, what's the last cool Carlton Fisk item that you purchased at a, at a show at the, maybe at the national last year or at a, a local show in hmm. Chicago. What's the cool last last cool Fisk item you got to purchase? Ooh, well, you know, I don't know. At a show, it's been a while because, um, you know, I mean, this, these days, I mean, I don't know the last time I've actually found something at a show that was Fisk related, <laughs> like okay. I wanted. You know, um, it's more just like okay, somebody people come to me nowadays, <laughs> so I'll get the phone call, which or is I'll nice. Get the email or the message, and it's nice. They're like, oh, you're the Fisk guy. Um, you know, actually it was near the end of last year, um, or right at the beginning of this year, uh, I found at an auction house, actually, this is one of those Instagram posts. I just put up there a couple, about a week or so ago, 
Um, it was the original dugout lineup card for Fisk's fourth career game. Wow. Yeah. And I did. I saw that. That's so, cool. So it's neat. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weathered you know, dugout card. You can see the tape residue where they, you know, what taped it up to the wall. And what's cool about that was that's the game where Fisk got his first, he caught his first runner stealing. So it's CS number one for Carlton Fisk. So that's a, you know, it came with a couple ticket stubs as well. I already had the tickets, but um, of course you did. You know, that, <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, really, you know, these days I'm always looking for that, 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 that kind of thing. But, you know, lately it's the tickets. So it's like, Hey, I found that ticket last week. <laughs> you know, let's cross it off the list. That's a, that's a big milestone. Guys, so you can, you can follow them. Tony. He is at Carlton Fisk collection on Instagram, Carlton Fisk collection on Instagram. He has a website, carltonfisk.com. And that's where all his stuff is there. You can find out all the tickets that he needs. He only needs 43 tickets to complete the 4,999 games that Carlton Fisk played. And he also was looking for all sorts of, some kind of oddball items. You can find that there as well. Tony, are you on um, on Twitter at all? You know, uh, yeah, on Twitter, I don't really, the only thing I post on Twitter is kind of the, the automated thing. When I do the Instagram, then it uh, it auto tweets there. And it's on, on Twitter, I'm just Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk. And you can find Tony, if you want to email Tony, it's okay. I can give out your email address, Tony? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, just Tony at CarltonFisk.com. That's the easiest way to remember. All right, Tony uh, at CarltonFist.com. Guys, help him out. This guy has, just just for fun, if you want to just go down the the, the rabbit hole, so to speak, just go to CarltonFist.com. You can hit on mer uh, memorabilia, I believe. There's three, three or four buttons. Just hit in our memorabilia. Pick a year, and you can sit there forever for looking at all the cool stuff Tony has and be uh, green with envy because he. I'm jealous of all the cool stuff that you've acquired. Do you have a favorite item in your collection, Tony? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. They're all like, uh, you know, they're all like children at this point. Each, each piece, you know, probably I'll say my favorite item is the next ticket I find off the list. Sure. Did you see the, um, <laughs> the, get the home run ball that hit this kit in the 75 world series? Um, the, I think it was George Foster who was the outfielder. He had it and they just auctioned it off. Did you see that? They, yeah, that's traded hands a couple times. Um, that's definitely traded hands a couple times. And I, then I saw, I think uh, it was Keith Olbermann that, that wound up with it the last time. Yeah, I think he was but I think selling they just it. He was selling fractionals. Oh, well, I saw that he was putting it up on that collectible uh, site with the fractional shares, yeah. you know, like where they try to sell sell that. Um, you know, that's that that's an interesting one. I mean, that ball, I, I mean, I really hope it was the real ball. You know, and I think it was funny because when that first came up for the first time, they they had Fisk quoted as, as kind of the same thing, like, wow, if that was the ball. Because, <laughs> you know, the, the provenance was such that um, originally when George Foster put that up, the, the, the letter was such that um, I think they, they amended it. But his letter was that, well, I, I got the ball and I put it in my glove and I put the glove in my display case. And that's why nobody knew about it for, you know, at the time, 25 years or 30 years. But right, again, what who, everybody who, kinda... who was looking for that ball back in 75, right? No one was. Well, Fisk would have loved to have the ball. That was oh, kind of sure. why I think he was upset. But the thing was, is he said he put it in his glove and he put it in the display case and then never thought about it. But 
he kind of glossed over the fact that he used that glove the next day to play the game seven. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, True. so, you know, hopefully it's, it's the real ball, but it's the only one that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the only one that surfaced. But you, yeah, that, you, that would be kind of neat. Are you familiar with the book, uh, the, wa- the uh, wax pack, which is about the Brad's book about buying a pack of 1986 cards and then going out to meet all the guys that were in the pack. Did you familiar with that? No, 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 I don't think so. Oh, you'll have to, you should read it. It's a great book. So what he did is he bought a pack 30 years after the fact, actually, of uh, 86 tops. And then he went out to meet all the people that were in the packs. It was like Rance Mullenix and Randy Reddy and Don Carmen. Well, Carlton Fisk happened to be one of the guys that was in the pack. Oh, wow. I'll definitely yeah, check so it out. He, got, he, he tried to meet, meet Carlton Fisk. And I think Carlton Fisk was one of the only guys he didn't get to meet. He actually tried to go... Um, he went to Fisk's country club and pretended that he was looking interested in buying a house on the country club. And then he went into the country club to see if he could find Fisk. Cause they said that's where he was some, some days after golfing. And it's probably interesting. I was thinking of you. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I'll have to check out. It's called the wax pack. It's called the wax pack. Yeah. It came out a couple, about a year ago, I think. Oh, very neat. Very neat. Yeah, it's a, I'll, it's, I'll it's it a great book. I'll get, I'll, I'll give a plug. It's I'm actually rereading it. I was reading, reading it. Uh, this past week and it's like oh i gotta talk to tony about about carlton fisk and the, <laughs> and the, the wax pack he he doesn't speak glowingly of carlton but it's still it's a pretty good book i mean unfortunately i mean that's that that's you know that i've heard that story many times but you know i i i feel like you know he's he's mellowed out over the years now and, and you know i've had great i've had great interactions with him you know in the last 20 years let's I'm say sure. do you have any game um, use stuff from him any any uh catcher's mask or oh, yeah. gloves or jerseys? yeah you know um yeah i have a i have a couple gloves uh, which are kind of difficult because pudge kind of used those to you know he didn't didn't give those up um so the the gloves are out there i have jerseys uh pants you know i never wound up with a mask um I'm trying to think uh you know and then then i have things like uh another great story was um I have, I have again, well, as we consider game used his last home run ball. So, uh, so his final home run, which nobody knew would be his final home run. Um, it was April 7th in 1993. And it was against, uh, it was in Minnesota and it was one of those, um, you know, one of those, those, those balls that it, it was a funny story because my, uh, one of my good friends, Sean, uh, Sean Hagel, and he was a fist collector back in the day. Now he runs a, a memorabilia store and stuff out in, in Minneapolis. But um, it, he he was at the game where Fisk got the home run. And he told me the story years later. He said, yeah, that ball probably is in a, in a landfill somewhere. Because he said, I walked over to the guy that caught it in the outfield. And I tried to buy the ball. Um, and the, 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 guy, the guy wouldn't wouldn't listen to me. Yeah, he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm here from out of town and yeah, you know, I'm keeping the ball. Okay, fine. Well, little would the guy know, you know, that, that would turn out to be Carlton Fisk's last home run right. of his career. So years and years later, I mean, we're talking maybe 10 years later, after I first heard that story, um, I, I got wind of a guy that, you know, it, it was going to offer this ball for sale. And he said, I have the, the final Fisk home run baseball. <laughs> and my biggest concern was, well, how do I prove provenance on that, on that piece? So I, you know, he sent me pictures and everything lined up 
and he and he actually had already had Fisk autograph it um, at one of these Chicago shows. So I said, well, you know, let's just discuss it. And I got the guy on the phone, and um, he's like, oh, I'll write you an affidavit and all this stuff. I said, yeah, that's fine, but I, I you know, I want to get the sense that <laughs> this is the ball. Right. You know, we didn't I'm not, have I'm not buying some stuff ball like that, that was in the in the back of a bag somewhere. Exactly. So he tells me the whole story about how he, you know, came from, I think at the time, Iowa or something, you know, he drove from Iowa to to Minneapolis. He was with his, his friends for, you know, those, those few games they saw uh, the twins play and, and somewhere in the conversation, I just threw it out there. I said, you know, has anybody ever tried to buy that ball from you? And he goes, no, no. I mean, how would they, you know, nobody would ever try to buy it. And as we're talking, he goes, wait a second. During that game, some guy walked over and he offered me 50 bucks um, and he was trying to buy the ball. He's telling me he was like a big Carlton Fisk collector or a big Carlton Fisk fan or something. And the guy was kind of laughing. You know, he had never thought about that memory until I asked. And the thing was, I never had asked Sean (laughs) all those years how much he had offered. (laughs) So then, of course, I went back to Sean and I go, do you remember what you asked or what you offered the guy? And he goes, Oh, without a doubt, I offered him 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you, like, you okay. You couldn't make that up, right, Tony? It's like, oh, no. that's all I need to know. No, rock solid. There's the provenance. I mean, this guy, he kept the ball, you know, he, <laughs> he put it in a little box, you know, he marked the box. It was the whole thing. I mean, you know, so that's it. And what was cool about it at the time was that as well as that was, um, Fisk was catching that day. So that was his final home run as a catcher as well. So it was 376 home runs on the career, but 351 as a catcher. And that was the major league record for catchers until Piazza broke that. Uh, many how much, years you, how much that. did you spend on the ball? Oh, you remember? I have it documented. It was a lot. Okay. <laughs> At the time, I mean, I mean for, penny for you, what, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it was really not a question of, of money at that point. It was, I mean, I, once I knew what it was, you know, I, I, it had to be part of the, it had to be part of the archive here. Um, so, so do, yeah. Was, do people, you know, this, especially people from anywhere. Chicago and from Boston uh, come with you with um, photos that have been previously published because, you know, people to take picture were taking pictures at the game, even back then. Um, have you seen any cool pictures that have been previously published? Oh yeah. I mean, I have hundreds. Um, so I, I'm always collecting like uh, fan snapshots and, and unpublished photos. I mean, I, I was lucky enough with a lot of the press photos, you know, when, when those large groups came available, you know, when those guys were, you know, buying up those archives yep. and selling them, you know, I, I bought tons of original, original type one photographs, um, you know, from the seventies, then in the eighties, you get to those crummy wire photos, but, you know, there's still original images. Uh, and then, but, but over, you know, doing this, I'm always looking at original photos or, you know, I bought out photographers with their, uh, you know, their photo slide collection of, of Fisk related and uh, stuff like that. At one point I bought all the unpublished slides from the Brearley, Brearley collection. That's okay. brought by you. Um, those guys that they, uh, uh, he was one of the primary Red Sox photographers uh, in the, I guess, 60s, 70s, up through the early 80s. And then uh, he passed away. And um, at one point, his son you know, was selling off pieces. And I, I wound up buying all of the unpublished uh, negatives from that collection at one point. So those are those are kind of neat. You know, those are those are interesting things. And even same thing like Topps. When Topps was doing the Topps vault stuff, 
um, uh, with a lot of frequency, I would I always tried to find those original negatives that they sold for the baseball cards or even the unpublished ones. So, do you, do you have a man cave with, with displaying a lot of this stuff? No, not really. Um, you know, not not really. Uh, it's it, it's more more kind of just kind of archived and stored at this point. And the the website was always pretty much the you know the way to showcase you know what was out there. And have, that's, um, that's that's one of my goals is to get more and more of it up there <laughs> as time permits. Have you had Fisk over to your house to see your stuff? Has he has he had a, a chance to see the stuff? No, no, I haven't. You know that that would be fun. I think, I I think, think you would enjoy uh, that, don't you? I think you would. You know, I mean, um, you know, some of the stuff really, I mean, I've, I've obviously walked a lot of this stuff into him at the different shows over the years. Because, I mean, somebody, it was funny, a couple, maybe a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me, like, well, how many Fisk autographs do you have? And I, I don't even know. I mean, I I don't know, hundreds, thousands. Oh, I'm I mean, sure. I mean, Not, literally, maybe thousands, right? I, yeah, I mean, literally, you know, you find things that, you know, he scribbled his name all over for for fans over the years. And, um, you know, just <laughs> a, a week doesn't go by that probably, you know, one or two autographs doesn't doesn't come back through the mail over here. Um, That's really neat. These days. So it's, 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 it's fun. I mean, there's always, so, I mean, I guess part of the thing was that I thought I hit that wall and I didn't know what to collect, but the collecting the tickets really kind of still kept me in it. And then obviously I found, you know, thousands of more items since because it's just the nature of it. You know, things that you don't know exist will come up or uh, things like original photos. You know, obviously there's there's an infinite number of that that kind of you know, stuff All right, out guys, there. If, but. if you have any cool Carlton Fist memorabilia that you want to share with Tony, uh, his name, it's Tony Swan. It's Tony at CarltonFisk.com. Tony at CarltonFisk.com is his email address. His website is CarltonFisk.com. CarltonFisk.com. Go check it out. You can see all his memorabilia there. He is on Instagram at CarltonFisk Collection. He has is looking for tickets. If he only needs 43 tickets to get complete the 4,999 games that Fisk played in. If he has a have a full ticket or ticket stub in one of the games, he's looking for a lot of tickets at, at Texas, at Arlington, or at my uh, Minneapolis. I know there's three or four at Boston, at Fenway. There was one in Oakland, if I do remember Tony. Uh, yes. A couple, of, a couple of Yankees from the 70s, right? Right. Yeah, there's there's one actually the one at the Yankees. Um, I Is technically that have that ticket. I have it's I have the ticket. It's uh, back then that the grandstand tickets didn't have dates printed; they just had game numbers. Okay. So technically, I have that one, but I don't count it on the list because one of my one of my rules was I wanted a dated ticket for every <laughs> every game. Of course, if that becomes the last one, I'm probably crossing it off the list. But um, but you know the one thing that uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but this this the concept of the tickets as i've been doing this for so long you know i've met i've met a ton of great people and a couple of my friends you might not fisk related but you might get a kick out of this um my friend rick is collecting tickets to the entire cal ripkin jr streak wow and you know we help each other obviously along the along the the, the route here and he's 16 tickets away from That's having awesome. all 2632 well, you know so, what, Tony, you're so gonna have to give me cool. you're gonna have to give me his name and number because I'll I'll I'd love to, uh, definitely love to have him on the show to talk Cal Ripken. Oh, 
Yeah, that, he, he he would love it. And um, my other great friend is Scott Garner, and Scott is a Nolan Ryan collector, but he's also uh, into power pitching. And his Ryan t- and he's been collecting tickets longer than anyone else. You know, pretty much anyone longer than I know. He's been collecting since the '70s uh, tickets specifically. And Scott is 34 tickets away from having all 807 Nolan Ryan um, appearances. That's something. And at the and at the same time, Scott collects. He has the foremost collection of no hitter tickets and and uh, related to no hitters. So I think. I don't know what the total number of no hitters is these days. It's like around 320 or so, I think um, 318 or 320. Last time I looked, he has over 240 different unique tickets to different uh, no hitters going back wow, to 1901. Think back, that, that goes all the way back to the early 1900s. Right? Well, yeah. The, yeah. Well, the, the, the number out of the 320 or whatever, 318, that goes back to the late 1800s. Yeah. But um, I was just recently asking him and he said the, the earliest one he has is 1901. Um, 1901 imagine imagine that, 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 that's outstanding. I met, I met a guy and I'm sure you probably know him. I don't remember his name, but he's collecting Jim Rice kind of like you are with Colin Fisk. He's, he's trying to collect everything oh, that that's Jim Tim. Rice played in. Yes, Tim. Yeah. Tim, he's a great guy. He's in uh, Connecticut. Yeah, and, he's he kind of, he's up and, here in Boston at the uh, Shriner Show every year, and I, oh I, yeah, I met him there, and I know he had he had some flyers out, and um, I don't remember how close he is to getting all every game, but he's pretty close, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's um, I just talked to Tim not too long ago. I think he's a little over maybe a hundred, maybe a little over a hundred to go. Um, you know when, and that's the kind of thing you know we obviously help each other, so. <laughs> You know, I've amassed so many extra tickets in that Fisk era, and there was a huge overlap with Fisk and Rice for all those years. Sure. So I think now, I think our want list, because he just recently looked at it, and I think our overlap is maybe like less than 10 tickets, you know, that, that we both still need. But, you know, he, he doesn't have any tickets I still need. So, I mean, that's the other thing. It's <laughs> You're always looking at like, okay, if somebody else had that in the collection, you know, what can I trade <laughs> to do this, to do that? But, you know, I'm beyond that at this point. There's not, there's nothing else out there to, to, uh, you know, you need fresh sources of, of these tickets to, to find the last remaining few. All right, Tony, one last question. Ready? 27 sure. or 72. Do you have a preference for, for, for Colin Fist? 72, probably. I know that's not going to be possible. I'm a, I'm Boston, a 27 but, uh, guy. You know that. But, you know, as you can see from my phone number, it ends in 2772. So I, I give them both equal, I give them both equal, uh, <laughs> equal place. Very but, good, you know. my friend. I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for talking, Carlton Fist, your passion. Thank you. I love learning about your ticket quest and all the cool stuff you've acquired. Guys, once again, it's Tony Swan, Tony at CarltonFist.com. Go to CarltonFist.com. That's his website. He's also at Carlton Fist. Uh, collection on Instagram and he's on Twitter as well. Follow follow him. Follow his, his quest to to finish this unbelievable challenge of getting every ticket for that contest ever played in, which is unbelievable. He only needs forty three. If you get any uh, tickets lying around from the seventies or into the eighties, and you might be able to help Tony out. I'm going to check my list. I saw that the, there were a couple of Red Sox tickets that I might I might have in that range. You know what I mean, Tony? So I'm going to check for you on that i can't i i, I would think it's needle in the haystack at but stack but i'll uh, i'm going to check for you 
And uh, you never know. I mean, it, it it only takes one, and you know that's that's the that's the crazy part about the tickets. I mean, no, I, I know I have a box just... of tick. I have a box of tickets from the seventies and eighties when I in nineties when I was a kid, and I used to just throw them in the box. <laughs> <laughs> and since nothing happened in those games that I'm still looking for, <laughs> they're yeah. they're all it's all possible you know possibly in there because it's not like somebody would have pulled them out for a reason. So that's yeah, but uh, but I appreciate the. Uh, I appreciate your help, Jeff. This is, All this right, Tony. Great. Thank you very much, my friend. I really, uh, it was a great, great meeting you. And uh, keep keep in touch. Let me know how you're doing. And, and uh, I'm okay. sure we'll be talking again. Okay. Wonderful. Take care. Take care of you as well, guys. Tony's a nut, and I'm I saying that belovingly. He 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 has more stuff about Carlton Fisk. Follow him on uh, social media and especially Twitter, and check out his website. Drew, you should see the stuff he has I, I'm, if you haven't get, gone there yet. Basically, mm-hmm. all you do is you pick a year. You pick like 73, right? And it comes mm-hmm. down with all the stuff he has from 73. And he's got um, W-2 forms and team signed balls and, uh, you know, uh, dry cleaner receipts. And, like, I mean, he, he's, he, he has Carlton's Fisk high school yearbook. And we, talk, we, we talked about that in, in our interview. So Tony is... He I, he he puts anyone to shame in terms of super collectors because he's the best. And I hopefully enjoyed my interview with Tony. I would assume he has the uh, MLB used to put have these questionnaires they have every player fill out at some point in their career, and you can actually find them on of all places. I think it's like either Ancestry.com or FamilySearch.org has them. So I found them for George Brunette and for Corey Snyder, and so I'm assuming he's probably got the Carlton Fisk one from there. But if not, well, that's that's a pretty easy find, I would think. But yeah, no, no, how deep he goes. Like, remember the 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 tops 3D cards they used to put in cereals and stuff. Oh yeah, he has the ads from the box that because it had a Carlton Fisk card in the ad. He has those. Oh, he has this guy has everything. I'm so I'm so jealous and so proud of him. He he <laughs> he's the best. So I'm, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Tony as much as I did because it was really a cool one. Well, Drew, that wraps up Collector's Corner. Let's go into Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Collecting trading cards can be expensive, but grading doesn't have to be. You can now grade your cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Get your sports cards in the industry's best and clearest holders. CSG also offers amazing customer service, fast turnaround times, and accurate, consistent grading. Plus, get access to the CSG registry and compete against other collectors for the best collections. Go to csgcards.com to start protecting your personal collection today. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com. He does it so well. I just let, I just, <laughs> I just get out of the way, Drew. I get out of the way. <laughs> Making the grade is the summary of what's been going on the grading community. We have a lot of stats to tell you about. I want to thank our friends at gemrate.com who provides most of the, the stats for grading. Um, overall grading activity for the month of February was up 1%. Hmm. Okay. Card grading was kind of flat at PSA. Um, 
SGC and uh, CSG and CSG were were up uh, in back were up about 10, you know 5 to 10%. So uh not a bad deal. I'll just let me give you the numbers. PSA for February they did 1 million uh is that what would you say 80 cards? Uh 1,008,000 I think is what that 1, comes to. 1,008,000. That's why we keep you around cuz you your your math was <laughs> 1,008,000 cards, they were even. CSG did 101,000 cards, they were up 5%. SGC did 92,000 cards, they were up 10, uh, 14%. And Beckett, uh, I really like to see this. Beckett was up, they did 63,000 cards, they were up 10%. So that's kind of cool to take a look at that. Um, and it's nice to get some of those numbers. We also have the most cards graded by for, for the top five players by PSA in February. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez topping the list in February. Not too surprising with, you know, 2023 uh, tops just coming out with his second year card with the rookie cup on it there. Uh, Michael Jordan second on the list for them. He's always been hot. So, of course, that's going to be up there. Number three, Shohei Otani, 8,000 cards graded for him. By the way, the numbers on those, Rodriguez, 18,000, Jordan, 14,000. Otani, like we said, 8,000 following him on the list. Tom Brady at 7,500. And bring up the number five spot, Kobe Bryant, 7,300 cards of his graded by PSA. Very cool. Do you have Otani rookie card? I think I have his Don Russ one. I don't have his tops one yet, but that's uh, that's something I'll need to look into. Yeah, I agree. I, I have a couple of them, but I don't have the the, the top set. Um, I just, I must have not been collecting that year. Some, there's some years that I didn't buy uh, um, cards because I just waited and bought the set. So I'm sure I have it in a set. But I don't open my set, so I don't count that as having it. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. like I have it, but are you going to break up a set to pull that card out? It's kind of grimy. No way. Yep. <laughs> well, guys, it's time for the big the three. Big three. This week's big three is brought to you by Gemrate.com. Whose cards are hot and whose cards are cold this week? Let's find out from our friends at Gemrate.com. Drew, I love the big three. I invented- yeah, this has been really fun doing that. I invented it. It's my it, it, it's my invention. I'll, I'm going to take full ownership <laughs> of it. The big three is it. sponsored by our friends at gemrate.com, gemrate.com for all your uh, grading information, statistics. They are the man. Make sure you check it out, gemrate.com. Well, the big three are the three biggest movers, right? P- positive for yep. uh, the week over previous week. And Mickey Mantle was up 20% over pre- last week. Julio Rodriguez was up 6%. And Bobby Witt Jr. was up 1%, which isn't surprising, right? It's baseball season. Yeah. Um, the reason Mickey Mantle is up is because there's a grader, a, a collector out there that has been grading a bunch of Mickey Mantle re- reprints, which is a little weird, don't you think? Yeah, it would seem, I mean, okay, if it's like the known, if it's like the 96 Tops reprints where they reprinted every single one of his cards, that makes sense because there's legitimate release. But if it's like just, you know, random reprints, like that's... Maybe he's, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's one of those super collectors who insists on having every single card that he has there graded or something. So kind of an odd way to boost things up, but hey, you do you, Chief. That's right. Well, I'm sure Mickey will go down, will be be on this list next week. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, ones who have dropped most this week, uh, Tom Brady down 32%, Joe Burrow down 28%. Those make sense. I mean, football season is over. It's kind of out of people's minds here for a little bit. A little bit of a shocker. Mike Trout is the number three spot on the droppers list. 22% decrease in the number of cards graded by him. So uh, not sure why. I mean, Trout's always been the big name, one of the big names, at least in baseball. So to see him drop off right at the start of spring training, that's odd. Yeah, and he's healthy as well. 
And, yeah. and I guess you got to remember, these are small samples, right? It's only week to week. Yeah. So there certainly can be somebody, maybe somebody brought in, you know, graded a lot of Mike Trout cards the last couple of weeks and then was exhausted their, their, their numbers. But I think it gives you an indication of who's hot and who's not. And we really enjoy the, the, the statistics from Gem Rate. So we thank uh, the guys at Gem Rate. Uh, we really appreciate it. GemRate.com. Make sure you check out all, all the uh, grading statistics on our podcast come from GemRate.com and we really appreciate their support. Well, Drew, our friends from Beckett have secured another round of financing. Uh, you've been up there. They have a new, you've seen, have you seen their new corporate headquarters? A little bit. I've seen the outside of it and just barely inside in a couple spots there. But yeah, it's a real nice, real big building going on there. And yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot going on there. They've gone from obviously, you know, from just a, being a basic magazine in 1984, all the way to being the name in sports collectibles in every single area of it here now by what, 40 years later. Right. And they bought, I know they bought a couple of software companies. Do Dilly was one of them. And I forget the other one was, but they, they did buy two software companies and uh, they're, they're expanding a lot of their reach. And I know they, they just started authenticating tickets which is yep. ticket subs, which is cool. So uh, we're VHS gonna, tapes too, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk, we're trying to get Kanal uh, Chopra, the new president on. We talked to him last year, just about all the exciting things that uh, Beckett has, but congratulations on securing another round of financing. That brings their total to $235 million uh, that they use, that they're using to increase and grow their company. Great job, Beckett. Well, that wraps up making the grade. Drew, next up, we'll do uh, TTMcast stamp of approval. All right. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval. Drew, I'm going to give it to you first because I, I, I honestly, I might cry when we do ours. So yeah. uh, very, very, very sad for, for us. Uh, I'm going to talk about my, my dog who we passed, we had to put down. But Drew, why don't you do yours? Because yours is very entertaining and it has a great, interesting story behind it. Yeah, so this week I finally, for the first time in seven and a half years almost, played a game of floorball. So floorball is a sport, it's kind of an offshoot of street hockey, and uh, actually have it's really big over in Europe, especially Sweden and Finland. They're kind of the, anytime they have the World Floorball Championships, I think those two countries have won all of the gold and silver medals in it. Bronze has usually gone to uh, Switzerland is one of the top ones. Um, I think the Czechs have been pretty big in it. Usually, whenever the U.S. gets into the uh, World Championships, they, I don't, I'm not sure they've ever placed even inside the top 10 worldwide. But um, so back in, so like I said, it's the first time I played in seven and a half years. And uh, so my stamp approval goes to the sport of floorball and the North Texas Floorball Association for letting me back in. I was given what amounted to a lifetime suspension in 2016. Anybody who follows me on Twitter, you were like the the Joe story. Jackson of floorball. Yeah, except I wasn't gambling on it. I was just no, I sportsman like conduct repeatedly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you go, I mean, I posted the story onto Twitter because I mentioned something about, you know, playing for the first time in a few years and because I was, had a lifetime suspension, basically. And somebody's like, OK, we need to know the story of this now. So I put it on Twitter. I won't recap it here. You can go and check it out on there. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I was given a lifetime suspension that about three years ago was reduced to time served. And so it's like, all right, good. I can get back into playing again if I want to. But yeah, do I really want to? Eh, I don't know about that. So one of the uh, guys who used to be kind of uh, the head of the Fort Worth group just messaged me out of nowhere and says, hey, yeah, we're playing in Southeast Fort Worth here on uh, Wednesday if you want to come out. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. I don't have any goalie gear at all. I have my, I, will, I have my helmet and I have my gloves. And that's about it. I don't have a chest protector. I don't have any knee pads. I don't have the pants for it. So like, yeah, maybe. And I figure, you know what? 
I might as well. I'll go out and play as a floor player or something. I get, I, so I scrounged up as much semi-goalie gear as I possibly could. So I could have played if somebody had some knee pads, which nobody did. So I just played up as a floor player, which was interesting. So, I mean, for, I haven't played at all in seven and a half years. I hadn't been a floor ball or a floor player in eight years. I mean, the last time I did that was, what was that? 2015 was when I converted to goalie, early 2015. So it had been a little while since I had played at all. So, uh, but yeah, I got back out there, got to play again. And it was just fun getting back to being able to get back out there again. And I mean, it's uh, took me a little bit to get my shot back. I uh, basically, if you were to take like, if you were to make an EA sports floorball game, take Alexander Ovechkin, reduce his, uh, his, uh, what do you call it? his uh, energy levels down to about maybe a 10 out of a hundred and take his uh, shot accuracy and put it down to like a negative, negative 20. <laughs> and you've got me. Cause I mean, I've got a hard shot. I just have no control over where it's going to go. So, uh, I mean, I was able to get my shot back pretty quickly at least. And I actually did score a goal on there. So it was kind of cool being able to do that. But, uh, yeah, it was just good being able to get back out there. And I don't think I'll ever play in a league or on an organized team ever again, but it's good to play some drop-in. I'll probably start doing that a little bit more now. How are your legs? How are the legs the next day? I am, I, I'm still sore. I mean, this was on Wednesday when I played. We're on Saturday morning now. And my legs are actually all right. I did block a shot off my, uh, off my calf, which still has a nice mark on it. And still a little sore if you touch it or anything. But uh, it's more my back than anything. My lower back is still a bit sore. But I mean, it's finally back now this morning to where it's like, a little stiff, but nowhere near as bad as it was like Thursday when it's like I could, I rolled out of bed and hobbled from the bedroom to the living yeah. room groaning the whole way. So what do they use? They use like the orange ball that we used to use at, at when we played street hockey or what do they use for, for a ball or a, a puck? It's closer to a wiffle ball. It's uh, like the same kind of plastic, same like holes all over it, but also dimples like a golf ball on it as well. So, uh, it doesn't hurt as bad if you, you know, get whacked with a shot or anything, but still, I mean, they're, they're the pro players can get up to like 120 miles an hour on their shots. So, I mean, if you don't have any padding on, which you usually don't, and you block a shot, ooh, that stings a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I took one off the calf, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, feeling alive right now. It's bringing back memories. Hello there. So, Can you make the yeah. ball curve and, and dip and do stuff with your with your stick? Does it? Does a that little bit, action? yeah. I mean, one of the crazy things, if you look up, uh, if you ever look up, uh, there's these guys who can do these, what they call Zorro moves. And they'll like pick the ball up like it's a lacrosse ball, just about and like whip it out of midair. And there's crazy stuff that like the top level pros can do with it. So, yeah, just I mean, if you look, if you go on YouTube, just look up, you know, floorball tricks, floorball Zorro, and just floorball in general, you can find all sorts of stuff about it on there and see some of the cool stuff they do with it. Well, cool. Thanks, Drew. Welcome back to floorball. I hope, hopefully you can you can play again. Uh, my TTM cast stamp approval is, is our dog Razzle. Razzle, we had Razzle for. 14 years he was a jack russell and he was a part of the family he did everything with us he was a great a great dog um you know my son loved him my daughter loved him he he basically slept up on my wife's uh feet and back for 14 years and (laughs) fall it was her dog he followed her around like like anything he was so just a, a a total love muffin and uh we had to put him down the other day he had gotten sick he'd been sick kind of sick off and on for the last uh, couple months and um you know we he hadn't eaten for a couple days and we took him into the 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 vet and the the vet's like it's time it's time to you know put him down let him go he he, uh he had uh his glands were all swollen his liver was shot and he was just you know he's 14 years old it's about the time you get with a dog and it was um 
a very sad day on, on Thursday for the family. Um, you know, it's we're we're still in mourning. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, you know, you you've got cats, you've got pets, and it's 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 hard when you lose a part uh, of your family. And he was a integral part of the family, so I want to thank Razzle for all the the love and and devotion he gave over the last fourteen years. And uh, you know, we'll we'll remember him fondly and uh it's just sad I, I'm, I'm not going to start crying i promise <laughs> but um my stamp approval goes to the the best dog we ever had uh and razzle my daughter named him razzle because she she named uh, she named our last like three three pets oh uh with food she named one pop tart she she just she wanted she likes razzle so that's why she named him razzle and uh he was he was just a great dog. So my stamp of approval goes to uh, R.I.P. Razzle Baker. You'll be missed. And that kind of leads into the Vern Rat Minute, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Vern Rat Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rat, who passed away prior to me sending out TTM requests to him. Um, we have a lot of people that passed away in the world of sports this week. I usually we also look at um, celebrity and and music and stuff today, but we had so many people that passed away in sports. I uh, kind of forego those. But let's talk about a couple of people that we lost. We lost Roman Mejias. Roman Mejias was an outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Houston Colt 45, and the Boston Red Sox from 1955 to 1964. He played in 627 games. He had 54 home runs. He was a really good TTMer. He was a very reliable TTMer. Roman Mejias was 97 years old. We lost Jean Fout this week. She was a pitcher back in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball Association. 1946 to 1953, she played for the South Bend Blue Sox. She was an all-star, one of the top pitchers of the uh, days of that league. Won the Player of the Year Award. Uh, her last TTM was in 2021. Jean Fout was 97 years old. We lost one of the original uh, Seattle Pilots. This, this gentleman played for a bunch of teams in the 60s into the early 70s. He played with the Twins, the Braves, the Astros, the Pilots, the Brewers, and the Royals. He played 282 games. He was an outfielder, 230 hitter. So he, was, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't a great hitter, but he again, he's one of those guys that, that hung around. We're talking, of course, about Sandy Valdespino, Sandy Valdespino. Despino. And uh, as I said, he played with the pilots and we're losing pilots through this. Yep. They're, they're going few and far between. He last TTM in 2021. Sandy was 84 years old. Uh, we lost Dave Nicholson this week, uh, played from 1960 to 67 with the Orioles, the White Sox, the Astros and the Braves. 538 games with 61 homers. But man, when he hit those homers, he was blasting them a little. Uh, he was a, a mile going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Hit a 573-foot home run in 1964 at Comiskey while he was playing with the White Sox. Him against the Kansas City A's. They say it either went out of the ballpark or hit off the roof, something like that. It was just a monster of a shot right there. He was a great TTMer. Dave Nicholson was 83 years old. We lost Bo Hickey. Bo was a fullback. He went to Maryland. He played for the Broncos in 1960. He played 12 games. Um, his last C10 was 2019. Bo Hickey was 77 years old. Uh, we lost Fred Miller this week. Defensive tackle played for the Baltimore Colts. 
member of the uh, Super Bowl three losing team for the Colts and the Super Bowl five winning team with the Colts. So one and one in the big game. Yep. The uh, come from behind victory there in the final minutes there in that one. Uh, He's a three time pro bowler as well as a defensive tackle. Excellent TTMer as well. Fred Miller, 82 years old. We lost Olympic uh, Olympian two-time gold medalist Bob Richards. He was a pole vaulter. He won golds in the 52 and 56 Olympics. And uh, I don't think that's one of the, the events that we kind of shine on anymore, right? But he was he was the man back in the 50s. Uh, he lost TTM in 2017. Bob Richards was 97 years old. Uh, we lost Jerry Richardson this week. He was a member of the Baltimore Colts for two seasons in 1959 and 1960 but really made himself known as the owner of the Carolina Panthers throughout much of their existence. I think from their founding all the way up until about the last couple of years or so yep. when he uh, sold the team. He last TTM'd back in 2016. Jerry Richardson was 86 years old. Sometimes the, this is hard for me when we talk about these guys. This guy, I remember it like yesterday, right? When I'm talking about Bob Perryman, Bob Perryman was a, a running back. He played from Michigan. I remember him like it was not yesterday that he, when he was running playing from Michigan in, in the 80s. He played for the Patriots. He played 49 games with the New England Patriots, 19 games with the Denver Broncos from 1987 to 1992. Bob Perryman was only 58 years old. So that wraps up our um, Vern Rap Minute. Our sympathy and condolences go out to anyone that lost anyone this week. We are sorry for your loss. All right, Drew, next up. Yep. Return. Our TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Returns, returns, returns. Well, I've before I went away, I sent out sent a bunch of hockey out, hockey ones out, requests out. And I've been getting a bunch back. I got, let's see, what do I get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Almost 20 returns this week, which is which nice. is pretty good. And these these all came in this week. This I wasn't anything holding anything back. Uh let's talk, let's do the one that, that came back and said, sorry, you're not getting this guy signed. And I'm talking about Bryce Elder from the Atlanta Braves. He's a pitcher. And I got a little note that said Bryce is at spring training, so he's not he didn't get, get your card before he went away. Like all right, so I'll try. I'll try him in, in the off season. He because he does sign, but I got a bunch. I got a bunch of turns. I'll do mine first, Drew, and then you can do yours if that's okay. That'll work. Okay, so I got Ian Turnbull. Remember Ian Turnbull? He played for the the Toronto Maple Leafs in the seventies and uh, early eighties. I got him on his um, 76, 77, uh, 79, 80, and eighty one cards. He signed his name and his number. I, I usually don't send that many cards, but I was going through the cards and I, I was like, oh, it's true. I got, I got all these cards. So I sent, uh, I sent out four cards. He signed them all really quick, less, less than uh, 10 days. I think I got back. This is an old one. I had this. I, sent, I don't even remember when I sent this out, but I got Jim Marshall, who's defensive end with the Minnesota Vikings. And he signed his 75 card and um, 79 card tops card. Uh, nice. I know he he requires requires a, a donation now, but I know I didn't send a donation. This was this was probably a year and a half ago now that this thing went out. So I just got back the other day and uh, he signed it in blue sharpie. I got a '74 uh, tops basketball card from uh, one of your guys, Jim Jones from hey, there we go. Cleveland Cavaliers '74 card signed in in black sharpie. Uh, and that was the only card I sent to him. And he signed that pretty quickly. 
I got uh, Don Edwards, who's going to be a future guest on our show. He was a goalie for the Sabres, the Carol, Calgary Flames, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was an all-star, two-time all-star with the um, Sabres. He signed his 78 and his 77 tops card with his name and uh, number. So that's pretty cool. Those get those came back really quick. Don Edwards is a, is a great signer. I got Tippy Martinez from the Baltimore Orioles. He played uh, with the Orioles. I think he played with the Yankees as well, right? Yeah, he played with the Yankees. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I got his 86 and 87 tops cards. I sent that out a couple months ago, and uh, they just came back the other day. Tippy Martinez is usually a pretty regular signer, right? Yeah. I got Dave Lewis. Remember Dave Lewis? He played for a defenseman for the Islanders. He was coach for the Bruins. Uh, he signed his 76, 70, I think that's 81 card and his, or his 77 card. So I sent, sent him three cards. He signed a nice black Darby. Um, came back in less, less than a week. It was a really quick turnaround. Cool. I got, remember this guy, Grant Mulby from the Oh yeah. Hawks. Yep, tough guy back in the seventies there. Yep, number twenty-two. He he, he signed his seventy-six and seventy-seven tops cards in blue sharpie again. Less than less than uh, a week, ten days came back. Um, very happy about that. I got Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson would play for the Houston Rockets. He was a guard. He signed his flare card as uh, I think that's a ninety flare card or, or eighty-nine flare card, and they signed his NBA hoops card as nineteen ninety hoops card, and that came back in a couple of weeks. Sticking with basketball, I got a couple of 1974 Topps cards signed. I got Donnie Freeman, who played for the Pacers, an ABA card, uh, signed it nice blue blue sharpie, and uh, that was a couple that was a couple of weeks. Then I got Keith Erickson, who played guard for the uh, Phoenix Suns on his 74 card. He also played with Lakers, if I do remember. Yeah, he did play with the Lakers. Uh, he signed his 74 Topps card in, in black sharpie. That uh, took a couple of weeks. A couple more. I got uh, Danny Ferry. Remember Danny Ferry? Oh, yeah. I got him on a Cleveland Cav card, uh, upper deck. Not, I think it's the 19. See it? Yep. Yeah. Danny Ferry played for, he was a Duke guy, right? He was a Duke Duke guy. Number two He's, overall pick by the Clippers, actually. Yeah. He signed a, his 91 uh, upper deck card. And then lastly, I got Lou Nanny. Lou Nanny from the Minnesota North Stars is going to be a guest on our show on uh, Wednesday on TTM Castle 101. He signed his 76 and 77 tops cards. He um, personalized it, but he signed signed both the cards very very quickly, and he got it back in I don't know about 10 days. It was pretty quick, so that was that's pretty good. I think I sent off six or seven today uh, yesterday, and I tried a couple of spring training ones. So we'll see how that goes. And um, I sent one off to um, Liam Hendricks. To see if nice. He's from the White he's one that I actually sent off just this week as well. Yeah, the White Sox. So I sent two cards off to him. Um, so it was pretty pretty good. Uh, and then I think I have uh, three coming back today. So we'll we'll talk about those next week. Well, uh, yeah. that wraps up all my TTM returns. And um, I'll, I'll probably get another. I have another I don't know, ten or twelve envelopes prepped and ready to go. I just have to find cards that's my biggest problem is finding cards i don't know about yep. you yeah for me i mean i can i usually find the cards first and then i figure out okay you know who figure out who signs dig out the cards and go from there but uh yeah i just uh, sent out 35 myself this week i'll get to a little bit about those in a minute but uh had five returns that came in here over the last uh last week or so i mentioned last saturday that i had a uh, joe klecko and uh, reggie langhorn coming in they did indeed arrive uh, langhorn took about two months 
Joe Klecko took about two years on his, but I finally got that set. <laughs> he got it. And it's funny because, I mean, like I said last week was uh, I had mailed out to him literally two days before this one came in. So it's like, well, great. Maybe I'll have those coming in in a couple of weeks or months or maybe another two years as well on those. But yeah, it was, I mean, good to get at least that one major set need that I had there. So I've got all of the uh, New York Sack Exchange guys now in that 2004 uh, football all-time fan favorites set. Uh, Reggie Langhorn signed everything I had, like I said, in a couple of weeks, couple months, something like that. I uh, got Barry Melrose, long time. Uh, he was what? The coach yeah, he's of the a great LA signer. He's a great signer. He is, yes. I mean, longtime ESPN broadcaster, um, former coach of the LA Kings when they went to the cup finals in 93, lost to the Canadians. Um, he played for the Maple Leafs for most of his career, played for Winnipeg Jets as well as a defenseman. Uh, just the other day, got back Terry Kennedy, mailed off to his home address. Yep. I got him too. Just I got eight. him a couple weeks ago. Good. Yeah. Just get? I, got, I got a 80 tops and a 87 tops. I think that's what I, I got. Yeah. Let me look here real quick. Um, just a heads up. He's only signing two items per person. Now he will keep all others. It appears. Yeah. You I know what? Four. I was looking for his rookie card. And I think I only had one of them. So I didn't want to send it off. Yeah. I sent a four off total. I got back two. I got his 88 Don Russ and his 91 upper deck, both back. So oh, that's very I'll cool. Take he, that gladly. You know, what's funny is I was at spring training um, last week or two weeks, 10 days ago, whatever. And, you know, all the graphers were sitting around talking and somebody met, met a, brought up the name, name Terry Kennedy. And I don't know why, but it was, um, but he was belitt- belittling him saying, mm-hmm. oh, he wasn't, he was just a, he was just a, a platoon player. And I go, Terry Kennedy was not a platoon player. He was a very good player in his day. He was an all-star. He, uh, he played on some winning teams. Yeah, I think Terry Kennedy is underrated, don't you? Yeah, I mean, he started at least, I mean, just looking at the back of the cards here, he started, he played at least 140 games from 83, 84, 85, 86, 87. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I mean, if Terry Kennedy was your, was, was was your ca- yeah, the catcher on your team, you were pretty, sol- you were pretty happy. He was very solid. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was great at handling pitchers. He was, I mean, a at least decent hitter. I mean, this is an era too, when catchers were not expected to be, you know, big time players, you're expected to handle your pitching staff, play decent defense. And if you could hit above 250, Hey, more power to you there. So no, he was a very solid catcher for several teams in that era. Yeah. He so. was, he, he was certainly, and you look at some of the catchers in that, in that era, he was above average. He was definitely above yeah. average then. If you were to name the top hundred catchers of all time, he easily is in the top hundred. I, I think you you could even potentially make a case for top fifty on him. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, player. Yeah, if you ever check out the uh, what's the the big Bill James book, the huge one that he uh, has Baseball written. Baseball perspective. There you go. The, but he did. He's got the one that talks about like uh, he ranks every position, the top one hundred, every position all time. And he said the reason that came about was that he was watching a Kansas City Royals game. And he asked the friend of his that he was watching with, he said, do you think that Mike McFarlane is one of the top 100 catchers of all time? And the friend's like, what are you nuts? There's no way he's up there. And he's like, okay, well, how many, how many can you name that would be top 100 all time? And they got to thinking about it. And he's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, but if you can make a case for Mike McFarlane being a top 100 of all time, Terry Kennedy definitely is top 100 all time. Yeah. Terry Kennedy is a better player than Mike McFarlane. And Mike McFarlane was a pretty good player. He didn't yeah. do it long enough. That was his problem. Right, exactly. He, well, and then he became a basically a de- designated hitter and a first yeah. baseman. Kennedy was bo- basically a catcher most of his career. Yeah, pretty much up until the end of it, I think. Even. Yeah. So, yeah, he was he was doing it forever. Uh, last one I got during the week was Bobby Sproul. He was a pitcher for the Astros. And the Red and, Sox. Uh, and yep, the Red with Sox. the Red Sox as well. 
But I had this, uh, had his 1981 Astros Future Stars card that I got signed by Alan Nicely before. Yep. And so Sproul was on it too. I figured, all right, yeah, I'll send it off to him. He came back to me within maybe a week, week and a half, two weeks at most. Danny Heap is the third one I need on there. And boy, I've had bad luck with him in person. So <laughs> I think he does stuff through past pros though. So depending on his price, I may pay to get this one done there. But uh, yeah, he was a college coach for a while back in the early to mid 2010s. And they used to play against the uh, University of Texas Arlington every year. So uh, my friend Chris uh, says, hey, yeah, we should go out and you know try to get him after a game one day. So uh, we went with our friend Matt hanging out down there and the game would turn into a total blowout in UTA's favor and uh, was running kind of late. And so they get off the field there. They're, you know, heading to the locker room. And so uh, here comes Heap and we're like, Danny, you might, uh, got time to sign real quick. And there's only three of us standing there. He kind of looks, sees we've got stuff. He's like, uh, no, I got to hurry and get these guys to dinner. Bye. And walks off. It's like, <sighs> we're the only three here, man. Come on. Really? So yeah, I've had bad luck with Heap there, but like I said, he signs through pass posts. So maybe I'll get him if the price is right. I could look, I, you know, I, while you were t- talking, I remembered I sent Jody Reed um, oh, yeah. to spring training. I saw he signed for somebody fairly quickly and I don't have a Jody Reed autograph. I, do you have Jody Reed at all? I picked him up in a trade at some point, I think. So I do have right. one, but yeah, but he's not a big TTMer, as right. far as I can. So, so I, I sent off his, um, I think it's the, sent off his 88 and 89 flair, maybe. I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. See, see if I got it. So that's one of the ones I said, sent out. Well, that's pretty good, Drew. We, I think we both had pretty good weeks. Uh, yep, keep, but... keep it up. And you, you sent out 35, you said. So you got a lot coming. Yeah, 35 of them total. Like I said early on when I bought those uh, Tops Hanger packs, I picked a few guys out of those that had uh, at least occasionally been signing. So I figured, you know, we'll send them off to spring training and hope for the best. If I get them back, great. If I don't, okay, whatever. But uh, I know at the very least, like Jorge Lopez of the Twins, he has uh, signed. Well, I don't think he was in that. He was in... Uh, and pulled him out of my heritage stuff to be able to send him up. But he had actually signed for somebody early on in spring training. So I figured, oh, okay, we'll try, we'll try him out. I'm um, trying to think. But the ones I tried out out of that, uh, Kyle Bradish of the Orioles is one of them. Bo Brisky for the Tigers. Um, let's see here. Dean Kramer from the Orioles is another yeah. one. Uh, Michael Massey from the Royals. Chaz McCormick of the Astros. Uh, Chris Morell of the Tigers. Eli Moore of the Cubs. Uh, Eli Morgan from the Guardians, Lenin Sosa from the White Sox. So a few guys there, plus a bunch of a small handful of hockey guys. Uh, one football one in Rod Woodson. I had no luck on him in person, but uh, saw a success on him by mail. So I figured right, we'll toss those out and hope for the best. Yeah, can they post it on uh, Woodson? Because I think I have him in 92 game day, and I think I need him. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know on that. I've got a uh, hopefully an address that might work. Fingers crossed. We'll see if it goes through. And then, yeah, I bought a bunch of 72 high numbers that I needed. So I found a few guys that signed out of those and mailed all those off. So uh, Jose Cardinal went out. The Rick Dempsey rookie card is uh, out in the mail. Uh, Jim Merritt, Willie Montañez, Bob Veal, and Lowell Palmer all went out. So we'll see what happens out of those, see if I get those back. Yeah, I sent out Dempsey last week, I think. So I'll, I haven't heard from him yet, but um, I see he's been signing. Yeah, it looks like he's been taking maybe a couple months or so, but nothing, nothing too long, at least. Cool. Well, good luck. Thank you, guys. That that wraps up our returns, and we're going to wrap up the show, okay? Cool. Well, guys, thanks for sticking with us. We uh, 
we got off on a few tangents this week, Drew, and I do that every once in a while. Uh, you know, we just love talking to each other about collecting, and hopefully you enjoy it. I want to thank all our uh, listeners, all our new listeners, the guys that have been listening since day one, and all the, the people that just recently joined us. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. If you have a question for Les, you have a question for Clemente, you want to just interested in being a guest, just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. I want to first thank Tony Swan, uh, who is the Carlton Fist collector. Make sure you check out his CarltonFist.com. Uh, he needs, I think, 41 more ticket stubs to complete uh, 2,400 Carlton Fist game tickets. So help him out. Check that out. Check out all this cool stuff. Clemente Lacey, of course. I want to thank Clemente. He's We have him on every month. Uh, and you know, maybe we'll have him on a little more regularly when we get into the NHL playoffs. So we can talk a little NHL playoffs with him. I want to thank Ezra Levine, who we, into, who we had on uh, this past Wednesday on TTMcast one-on-one. I want to thank Lou Nanny for signing my card and for being a guest. We will have him on this Wednesday coming up on TTMcast 101. Next week, next Saturday, we have Lee, Lee Alexander, who's a, a collector of all sorts of boxing and hockey stuff. And we talked to him about his passion. So that will be next week. We also have Les Wolf on next week. And we talked to Les about dealing, uh, selling your collection through uh, auction houses, as well as um, what to do when you're getting ready to... Um, you know, sell your collection when you get up in age and you want to make it sellable either for you or for your family member when you're not around. So we talked to Les about that. Um, really, a really uh, informative interview with Les. Uh, make sure you check out Drew's article. Great article. Taught the 10 hardest living autographs. Really cool. It is in sportscollectorsdaily.com. It is actually the very first article when you, you look you go uh, log on to the page. Make sure you check that out. It's a great article. Drew, keep up the great content. Make sure you check out Drew's YouTube channel, DFW Grapher. DFW Grapher, he posts every week. Also, all of success. Make sure you check that out. I think that's it. Anything else, Drew? No, I think we've got everything pretty well covered here from the week. All right, outstanding. You guys have an awesome week. I wish you many happy returns, and we will see you on Wednesday. Make sure you tune in to TTM Cast one-on-one, and we have Lou Nanny this week. Have a great week. 